So I want to become a dog trader. Oh, yeah? But when I look, I just don't know who to join. Yeah. It's a sea of acronyms, and it appears to be unregulated. <laughs> I want to know my money is well spent with me joining a team of dynamic, ethical professionals who have the same goals as me. I also want to be taught using the most up-to-date, science-led data. So where do I go? You heard of Pat? It's a place to go to become the most knowledgeable, skilled, ethical, science-based dog training instructor you can be. It's also one of the few organisations good enough to be a member of the Animal Behaviour and Training Council. The Professional Association of Canine Trainers, PACT for short, is here to help you become the best accredited dog trainer you can be. PACT gonna help you reach your goals. PACT is the place you need to go. Oh, PACT if you love dogs like we do too. PACT we are indeed the place for you. PACT it's time to take that leap of faith. PACT delay no further while you wait. Come find us at packed-dogs.com. Are you looking for the ideal gift for the dog-loving children in your family? Jack and Billy Puppy Tales is a delightful story with an important message for children of all ages. It's written by Steve Goodall and Sally Bradbury. You'll follow two puppies, Jack and Billy, during that all-important first year of their lives. It's had some amazing reviews from some of the top dog trainers in the world. Dr Ian Dunbar, veterinary behaviourist, says... I started to smile after only four pages. I couldn't put it down and at the end I could barely read for tears of happiness. This is a wonderful book. Karen Tong, dog training instructor and child dog bite prevention educator, said this. This will definitely educate both children and adults about the correct way to bring up a puppy. It belongs in the home of all dog lovers and anyone considering acquiring a puppy. You can find us at jackandbillypuppytails.com and join the adventures. We're also on Facebook, Jack and Billy Puppy Tales. See you soon. We have some very exciting news for you on the Barks from the Bookshelf podcast. Our lovely friends at Dogwise, who publish a lot of the books that we have featured and are due to feature have decided to give all of you lovely listeners 10% off all of their titles. So if you head to their website, which is www.dogwise.com, you can have a look at their catalogue. And when you get to your shopping cart at the end, just type in the coupon code, which is BARKBOOK, all one word, B-A-R-K-B-O-O-K, and they'll give you a whopping 10% off. Enjoy! Hey. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about the dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop till we're gone. Hey! Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop till we're gone.
parts from the bush and then we're gone la 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 dogs are parts from the bush and then we're gone la 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 parts from the bush we're gone la 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 dogs are parts from the bush get down greetings hello hello for hello and I can actually see you well not that I couldn't see you before well if we're allowed we could touch Ooh. are we allowed what's Boris say I'm not sure. We've decided we're in the bubble. A Co- bubble. C- coughing and licking is definitely not allowed. Coughing and licking, definitely not um, allowed. Sniffing, close sniffing. <laughs> I don't, it's quite warm in here. I don't think you're close quite warm in here. As it progresses, there'll be no, there'll be no sniffing, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Although, actually, that would carry on the theme because, you know, Jessica's podcast, I was sniffing quite a lot. Cause you were sniffing crazy. quite a lot. We had a nice, some nice feedback from that yeah, one. Yeah, we did. Thank you, everyone, for your lovely kind words. It was very words. nice. Did you listen to my... Uh... Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, hello. Hello, uh, bookshelvers. Hello, um, everyone out there in uh, Podland. That's what I'm calling it now. That's Podland. Nice. Podland um, yeah. Uh, yeah, we are actually... Um, we're in the same room. We were just trying to discuss with me uh, when was the last time? I can't remember. Um, blooming ages ago. Blooming ages ago. It's been okay, hasn't it, doing it uh, remotely? It's been yeah, all right. Yeah, Zoom. I mean, Zoom's great. Um, other remote thingy, yeah. Bobby. What are they called? Online calling devices are available. Stuff. I don't know, unless Zoom want to Brain drains. sponsor us. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, um, I. I mean, it's a, it's a shame I had to put trousers on today. That's a shame because on, on previous yeah. podcasts Thanks, I've though. had no trousers. That's Thanks. right. You're welcome. <laughs> You're very, very welcome. Um, uh, great episode we got for you today. Oh, yeah. oh it's a great it's, one. It's a, and we, our first pair of interviewees. Is it our first uh, dub doubler? I think so. It's a doubler. Doubler. A doubler. A Michael Dublé. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's hot. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, it's but, been a long week. <laughs> it has been a long week. It's been a. It's been a long week. I've been shouting in the wind, and that's all I'm going to say about that. It's been a long, <laughs> long, long week of shouting on my own into the wind of social media. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't uh, recommend it to anyone. No. Well, no. Uh, I certainly don't recommend it. Uh, but you you do it anyway, don't you? I it's do like it how I are you and social media and getting involved in things like that mm-hmm. is like when I can't sleep because I've had a nightmare, mm-hmm. so I put the telly on and it's on, it. and I think, yeah, <laughs> why not? It. You know, you just can't help stumbling back into things that you know aren't particularly good for you. I had a really good story about, I, I'm digressing massively, I won't go into it, but I had a good story about how It was written today, oddly enough, right. Stephen King. Yeah. Apparently he was uh, drinking copious amounts of caffeine and doing lots of cocaine when he wrote that book. Which... Well, that comes across in the writing, yes. I must say. <laughs> which explains the I do giant... love Stephen King, though. Yeah. He's brilliant. He's good. Apparently he's written a book about writing which is really worth reading. Really? Apparently so. Apparently oh I've God. heard many, many occasions, even people at don't like Stephen King that this book that he's written about the art of writing is supposed to be right really I need that in my life yeah, another book another book <laughs> maybe we can get him on a podcast has he got a dog oh my god that has he ever me. written a, dog, a book about a dog yeah Cujo <gasps> oh my god does anyone out there knows Stephen King um, <laughs> could you perhaps it's a, I mean it's a long shot it is a long shot isn't it Cujo of course I've never read Cujo but anyway, this week, um, I should probably say why I'm, I, I'm actually in, not, this isn't the only reason like, I would come to Nats voluntarily. I don't invite him around very often, but, to be honest. Um, but uh, I'm putting a new kitchen in at my house. It's been a blooming nightmare. Are you? 
No, I'm you? not actually. <laughs> <laughs> just, just to shout out to Corin and Ian now. I'm being, uh, being called out straight away. <laughs> straight away, my God. I'm not. What I like, I like to describe myself as a a useless labourer. Is what I think. I, I think I've, I've reached those Do you make the heights. tea badly? Is that I haven't even. I don't think I've even made a cup. We of tea. We haven't even had water, have you? So you can't make a cup of tea, really. There's this really. There's always this awkward moment where Ian, my father-in-law, who is like carpenter extraordinaire absolutely amazing is fitting our kitchen for us and i'm kind of you know opening boxes opening mm-hmm. little packets of screws. making a mess i've done a few things actually i'm not, I'm not gonna throw myself under the bus i've put some drawers together slid some drawers in moved some drawers done things with drawers done things with drawers i never thought i'd do <laughs> in my life um but there's this really awkward moment uh where ian likes to talk through things to himself right but he'll start by talking to you and then there's a moment where the conversation is where it's you're in the conversation and then suddenly you're not in the conversation and it's quite an art to yeah. work out where that break point is where suddenly you're like am I in this conversation but were you yeah it's that kind of were, was I really involved in this anyway because you were just talking at me rather than I'm, I am useless yeah. um, so when it comes to things like practical things like that I am pretty bad I must admit much to Corinne's dismay um, <laughs> it's <laughs> She didn't marry you for your carpentry skills. No, no, um, no. She married me for my songwriting skills, which in turn have, have not earned me any money at all oh. in any way, shape, or form. Well, that, that's good because your carpentry skills wouldn't either. So, <laughs> you've been to my paddock in my field. It's great. It's great. The gate don't shut now. Oh no! <laughs> but yeah, kitchen going in. It's lovely. It's from IKEA. If anyone's ever put together an IKEA kitchen, I commend all of you. Well done. Um, that's really good. But that's why we're here because that's happening right now live um, as we're recording. Kitchen is in phase four. I'm going to call it. Uh, right. So that's why I'm here. Um, How many phases are there out of interest? Fifty-two, right. I believe. <laughs> Yeah. So you'll be in by next summer. Yeah, Brilliant. in by next. It's lovely. It's lovely. We had a period of time where we had no, I mean, first world problems, of course, but we had no running water in the kitchen. So we were washing up our dishes in the bath. There you go. We've all been there at some stage, mate. We've all been there. I feel your pain, though. We've all been there. Because I don't know about you, but I, I would always forget something like that. I had a shower the day after and, and towed a piece of uh, <laughs> yellow pepper. <laughs> At least that's what I think it was. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, anyway. Oh, I love the insight you give us into your life. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, there you go. Um, so, what has happened? What's been happening in your world? What's happening in the world of uh, Sister Behaviorista? Uh, Sister Behaviorista is uh, very busy. I've had to close my books for clients, so I'm not seeing any clients at the moment just because it's so tricky with... Uh, most people want home visits, and I'm just... Uh, Oh, I'm not there with how we can do it safely and, and stuff at the moment. So, um, and I've got my PhD to get on with, so I'm finally trying to not procrastinate. Um, hence me here recording a podcast. Um, so uh, I have been very busy as well with um, my work that I do for ASAB, which is uh, all mm. about the, uh, it's basically the accrediting body for people becoming a certificated clinical animal behaviourist. So I know, that's so cool. It's it's amazing. Mm. It's such an amazing position to be in, to 
you know, support people along the way of their journey to become an accredited behaviourist. It's amazing. And, and I should probably jump in here. She's, I have asked if she can sneak me through the back door. She, <laughs> she won't. Her, her ethics are as good as she says they are. She absolutely yeah, refuses to let I'm me sorry. in. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, so I've been, we've been doing uh, assessments for the last month or so. Wow. Um, and it's, it's really, it's really interesting. Mm. Really nice talking through cases with people and, uh, so that's been keeping me busy, and um, then we got a new um, like system in the evening of uh, big old Drax boy comes into the lounge now, Yay. and he laid on a bed for the first time. Oh, I know, I was yeah. very happy. I'm... So next Monday is well, I don't know where we are in podcast land, but we're we're on we're on Thursday. Uh, the 30th of July I'll try and get moment. this out this weekend so, okay, yeah, so yeah. Monday so, so Monday is the year anniversary of, of Drax um, when we did that fateful trip to Wales and picked him up um, so I've made a little video you've, actually you've seen a sneak peek I've seen it you? I got yeah I got I got to see it it's very nice it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's a bit little... thrown together but it's you know I really like hopefully it hopefully it's, it's, um, it's I made a comment and I said that I can't imagine you watching it even though you made it I can't imagine you watching it about no crying. well I, I made it and then I like thought oh it needs some kind of music or something and I found all this like copyright free music mm-hmm. on um, YouTube and there was one called New Beginnings, which is like this rousing piano <laughs> solo. And it's, it, yeah. And it works though. Once I put that on, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I'd made it all and yeah. So. Um, oh, but then sometimes the music just, just, it adds, doesn't it? Have you ever watched like, um, there's videos on, on YouTube of when they've taken the music out of like scary films or emotional films <laughs> yeah. or, or something like that. Oh, one of the funniest ones has got to be, I don't know if anyone's seen this one. It's quite well known, I think, but where they take the music out of uh, the uh, Dancing in the Street video with Mick Jagger and David Bowie. <laughs> yeah, I have seen that. And they just, it's just loads like of squeaking, <laughs> squeaky trainers. And... <laughs> it's, uh, oh, it's so funny. It cracks me up. It never gets old. I'll tell you what I saw today that never gets old as well. Do you remember the old dog video where it's someone's talking about going to the fridge and um, getting the bacon? No. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, Canadian bacon. Yeah. Maple bacon. That dog's voice is what I think Drax's voice is. <laughs> like when we do like, hello. That's that's who I'm emulating. Gosh, been hot here, isn't it? It is. And, and I've just rubbed sun cream in my eye as well. <laughs> Again, first world problems. <laughs> Ah, so see, I didn't make her cry this time. It was no, the, it it's, was sun, it's definitely sun cream. It's going to be a super hot day tomorrow. Um, oh, talking about heat, I'll tell you something uh, kind of amusing that happened to me. Um, uh, so I was doing a one-to-one the other day mm-hmm. um, in the field. Um, so we're doing consul- uh, a 90-minute consultation and normally spend the first sort of like half an hour sitting down having a chat, talking through everything. Um, warm day, plastic seat, right? Oh, I was in no. me, I was in, <laughs> I was in me, in me like, so I, I, I like to wear like a swimming trunky kind of like, you know, short sometimes because it's nice and breezy. Hang on, sorry. <laughs> I just, for a second you were sat there in Speedos doing a one-to-one no. consultation. Right, no, no, so no, you're no. talking it's about like surfer bad, shorts. Yeah, right, it's okay. not as bad as it sounds. And anyway, um, so <laughs> I don't know how to say this now. <laughs> you know, you start something and you think, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said this. Um, but yeah, so, and, and these ones are kind of maroon coloured. Most of your stories are like this. <laughs> and uh, I know when I got up, lucky enough, my client didn't notice this, yeah. which, um, you know, if, if they're listening, 
apologies if you did notice anything they did. That was pretty cool. Again, you know, yeah. Quick drying, these ones were. Let's just say right, this. Right, okay. When I got up, I noticed that I'd, I kind of sweated in the derriere region. Oh, um, no. A little bit, leaving a small, like, you know, mark on, on the chair. <laughs> But also, also because the, because the shorts were maroon coloured, oh, also no. leaving a bit of a oh, you know no. darker maroon patch around the buttocks oh, area no. of me. Um, so I spent I this was expertly done if I do say so myself, mm-hmm. and I will say so myself. I spent the next like I say, quick drying shorts, very thin. Yeah. That's what you need material. when you're working outdoors. Exactly, breezy. Yeah. It's nice. So I, I made sure that I was just facing forward for the next ten minutes, <laughs> and then then when they weren't looking, had a look behind. Were you yeah, we're all, we're all them dried like you're up. Hurting them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I was all dried up, and then and that ended up really well. Brilliant. So, yeah. Okay, I've got a couple of tips for you. Go on. Um, as yep. someone that when I was at school, do you remember like exam halls? Yeah. Uh, we we had this basically glass hall that was sweltering in, in my secondary school for our exams and my biggest fear in the world was leaving a sweat patch on the chair because you all have to get up at the same time and walk away yeah and, and sometimes you... you'd have those little yeah. v-shaped yeah. ones that would just and it, it happens to everybody but when you're 15 <laughs> you're like oh my god if anyone saw that i would die so um wear a cardigan around your waist sit on the cardigan Okay. Done. And then when you get up, you pick the cardigan up, shake it, t- tie it around your, card- around your waist again. If you do have a sweat patch, you're covering it, but also you've mitigated the potential for go. sweat by sitting on your cardigan as well. Plastic chairs, not good. I need to no. get some little, yeah, either cardigan, which let's be honest, would look a bit weird in this heat. Might look a bit but, weird. Uh, or um, or w- woolen shorts. Woolen shorts, yeah. <laughs> a cushion. cushion. A cushion yes. could cushion. work. Let's just yeah. go with that. Let's yeah. go with that. But then I suddenly thought maybe they had the same experience they the other way around, you know what I mean? And then yeah. we're all sat there worrying. Funny humans, we should all just talk, get it out in the open. I know. I've got a sweaty bum. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, five minutes and we'll be all right. Oh, God. Anyway, if you want to do a one-to-one with uh, Steve <laughs> yeah. Goodall Dog Training, Steve please come. Steve <laughs> Sweaty it doesn't affect my expertise. Let me just put it that way. No. Just getting that one out there. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, that happened. Well, that, thanks for sharing. It's, that's it's, okay. It's not good to bottle, the, bottle these things up. It so. isn't good, is it? I, <laughs> I like it. This bottle. is like a therapy session <laughs> for me. Bottle these, bottle these things, things up. up. <laughs> it's not good to bottle it up. I wouldn't have wanted to bottle anything. That, yeah, anyway. Anyway. Anyway, should we uh, say what we're talking about? What book we're reading now? Mm, what book? Okay, so we are talking to... Uh, t- two lovely authors today um who wrote a book that both of us have had on our shelves for a good couple of years really yeah um so we're we're going to talk to melissa fallon and vicky davenport um they have written babies kids and dogs and it's basically about creating a safe and harmonious relationship between um kids and dogs which um can sometimes be full of conflict and stress Mm. and uh, lots of um potential for uh safety issues really i mean not to get too serious about it but um uh we've got some got some nice facts haven't we because we got the big serious dog bite book out facts we've been looking for facts the huge yes Um, we looked for facts in dog bites the multidisciplinary perspective by daniel s mills and carrie westgraff carrie westgraff Westgraff. so um maybe we will talk to them one day i know their book um because it's a brilliant book um but it's slightly less light-hearted than the book that we're going to talk about so we'll um, yeah it's a difficult one isn't it because we, we obviously as uh as 
professionals in the in the dog world, um, you always want to be, you know, erring on the side of caution when you're yeah. when you're talking about this sort of stuff. Most people just get on and do it, don't they? Which is always a bit worrying. But uh, yeah, I um, I'm uh, I'm interested interested to get into this one. Yeah, it's good because I think we come at it from quite a maybe different perspective as well like neither of us have got kids Mm -hmm. but and our my dogs are certainly not used to spending time with very young children we've got a few kids in the family but i would be very careful and usually we you know we would meet them out and about somewhere they wouldn't be coming over and you know rolling around with my dogs at all i kind of accept the limitations of what my dogs can cope with yeah um and it's a good excuse for not um, having kids in my house. So. <laughs> <laughs> going to any any kid friendly areas ever? Anyway. Yeah, so I started off really sincere there, and it kind of went into. Um... <laughs> but my sister, my sister now has a little girl, so you know it yeah. might be something that we need to um, deal with. But uh, certainly, you know, being very realistic about what we might be able to achieve in terms of safe interactions. So everything I do. Everything we do, everything me and Corin do, everything you do, is always put through that filter of the dogs. Yeah. And I think you can you can really think like start to think that everyone else thinks like that. Yeah. But they don't yeah. think like that at no, all. We're weird. Very rarely is it like that. I remember today actually um, we were doing rec training and um, uh, at the at the country park where we we have our field and um, we've gone for a walk around the country park we do that sometimes it's a nice mm. place summer holidays just kicked off so there's lots of people around um so we're doing a little bit of training and um we were just about to walk for a gate and a family come trundling through not in a rude way or anything like that mm. but dad came through but behind him were like five kids of various ages going down to maybe about five or six and I was right there. I stood right there with a dog, a dog that's fine with people, absolutely fine mm-hmm. with people, anything like that. But at no point did the sort of dad turn around and go, "Oh, be careful, kids! There's a, you know, there's a dog here, you know, or anything." Like he just walked off and let them all follow him through. And I just, it just, I my immediately, and again, I stress this dog is absolutely fine, bomb-proof in terms of that thing. But immediately, my sort of like dog filter went on, and I was like, "Oh, this is a a potential situation." So got the dog yeah. out of the way, you know, did. And, you know, you just think, you know, that people don't live in that world. No, I think uh, my impression is that ma- the majority of people think that if if we're if something or someone or a dog or whatever is out in a public place, then they must be safe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because otherwise, why would they be there? And mm. I think that's quite a dangerous way of thinking sometimes mm. um, because we kind of I, I don't know, I think without getting too deep you know it's nearly the weekend um i think we've kind of as a society we've kind of moved towards the risks being so obvious and pointed out for us Mm. that we don't risk assess ourselves like i know you know dawn does all that work with forest school and that's about teaching children to risk assess themselves take risks yes Mm. you know climb a tree but have a look at it first don't but don't look for a sign that says don't climb this tree or this tree might fall down and i think maybe we've lost a bit of that maybe we can talk a little bit about that maybe we can with our michael (laughs) dublay interview (laughs) 
that's it from now on. If we get a double interview, it's going to be called the Michael Dublé. Michael Dublé. Michael Dublé. So shall we um, venture on? And I think in... we've talked enough nonsense. So let's we go have. and talk some more targeted nonsense. We have, and I'll um, and I'll just make a note to edit out the sweaty bum story. <laughs> uh... <laughs> right, let's do this. Let's go. Why to read babies, kids and dogs? Um, well, it's important, isn't it? It is. It's crazy important. Um, I think one of the things this book gets across, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit later in, in the prep to my eye section, but one of the things is the prep. Um, the amount of mm. prep that I would advise someone to do if they were having a baby adopting um you know looking after kids for summer holidays or you know any reasons where you might find yourself around babies children um and dogs it you know it goes a long way to to getting people prepared and i think that that's one of the most important things i think about this book yeah, and you know, most of the time you have a little bit of leading mm. when you're going to have a kid. Yeah. Um, and so you know, I know there's lots of other stuff to think about. But oh, I was thinking about then. I was thinking about those horrible stories when people have gone to the toilet and found that they've had a baby. <laughs> Because there's no lead in there, is there's there? no it's lead nothing. in, and no. if you've got loads of dogs, then you know I don't. Still I mean, this it. book would still be helpful, but <laughs> you, you've also got a lot, a lot of other issues to work through. Um, oh no, I've lost it. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, why read it? I think uh, I think it's a really good resource. Um, in fact, we've decided to kind of knock the practical applications section on the head because it yeah. is it is a practical book. It's a very much. Um, this is how you would work through creating a safe and harmonious relationship between um, your dog and your children or your new baby. Um, and, you know, not just useful for people that are um, pregnant or, yeah, expecting a child, looking to adopt, um, but also people that might have visiting children, mm-hmm. um, people that are going to be um, new grandparents, mm-hmm. um, and people like us that yeah. maybe don't have kids, but... Um, might find ourselves in situations exactly. around... Exactly, yeah, and uh, need to be able to give some decent advice to our clients, um, which we always can from a, a dog perspective, obviously. Um, but I, I really like these little Hubble and Hattie books. They're part yeah. of a series, and they kind of all look the same, um, like uh, Life Skills for Puppies and... Um, uh, home alone and happy there's lots of them um, because they're really accessible yeah. and they're really practical um, but uh, just put my glasses on <coughs> I'll read you a couple of things as to why this comes, is such uh, an important um... file of facts Fanny <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is from my my big my big book about dog bites um, written by uh, Danny Mills and Carrie Westcraft. Um so I'm just going to pick out a couple of stats Go for it. Um, 55% of children who were bitten severely suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. Ouch. Um, uh, NHS data from April, April 2014 confirmed that children under nine are bitten most often, suffer most bites to the face he- or head, and the dog bite rates are three times as high in deprived areas. Gosh. Mm. Um there's obviously a cost to the NHS as well, which they discuss. Um, and there's been research into uh, what's actually reported. So obviously if you yeah. have to take your kid to the hospital, the hospital will have a, a legal obligation to report that. Um, but some other research was done and uh, showed that 
20% of dog-owning parents admitted that their child had been bitten at some point during their childhood, whether they that was serious enough yeah. to then require um, hospital treatment. Um, uh, and then when they actually interviewed the children, um, the figure came out as 50%. Oh. So... Um, Either the children aren't reporting it to their parents because they feel embarrassed, or the parents, parents aren't reporting aren't it to the researchers because they feel embarrassed. I know which one I think. Is probably yeah, um, out, out of the mouth of babes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I mean, I'm I'm hashing up the science here because it's a really interesting book, and this is from one of the chapters on uh, children and bites and you know effective dog bite prevention all the studies are cited in there as yeah well. it's it's, it's an there. epic book it's more of a textbook than a you know sit yeah. down with a cup of tea which is really rare isn't it nowadays on uh, you know hearing science be uh, hang on i'm going back to oh my, my god <laughs> don't see many things cited anymore do you anyway. get back in your box <clears throat> sorry sorry um so uh i'll i'll end the the, the fact fest mm-hmm. That could have gone wrong. Um, on this fact, which is most bites occur whilst there is no active parental supervision. Bang. Oh, nice. Ooh, that was that a was nice a good, that noise. That's the best one. Hang on, do that again because I might isolate that. Okay, hang on. That yeah, wasn't as good. No, you need a middle, middle of the book. Okay, hang on. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll isolate the first one. Okay. Um, Sob's so, law, that, isn't it? So, yeah... Um, Sorry, I've I've done I've reviewed a book by reviewing another book, but, but hey, that's just what we do here. That is this what is we do. This is the trouble of being in the bookshelf in the in the room of all the books. Cross pollination. Yeah, exactly. I'm actually sat in front of Nat's bookshelf, uh, and it's and it is uh, it's a sight to behold. I can tell you. <laughs> I can tell you. I'm um, I'm. Uh, drawn towards many of the titles that we're looking here i don't um, have a system either because i like the randomness of it i like just i know what all my books look like so when i need a particular book i know what to look for, for on the spine but yeah. i also i don't like too much grouping because i actually like the randomness of it that you go oh there's that and then oh there's a counseling book next to it and then a welfare book and at one point in my life i had i think over a thousand cds and I had them all on display in my bedroom, and I could just look from quite a distance mm. at the spine colour and just go, yeah, that's that one. Yeah, that's that one. That's that one. So I'm quite drawn towards if dogs could swear. Quite drawn towards that one. Okay, that yeah, that's uh, the uh, the less academic end of my. <laughs> <laughs> and teach your dog Welsh, which I was with you. And you you were that. there we were in too. Wales, weren't we? So yeah. that's good. There's some good books there. I like that. I like that. Um, very nice. Mm. Very anyway, nice. so um, it's a really important subject and I'm glad that um, Melissa and Vicky have kind of put together some some really good thoughts and resources and all sorts that can basically be a one-stop shop for what is clearly a very complex issue. Exactly. Um, so. It's done really well as well. The way they've approached it is because you can, you can view this subject really like like you said we haven't got children so we are always you know debbie downering maybe when we're when we're talking about the risks involved with children being around kids of course there's massive benefits to children growing up with dogs i grew up with dogs like you know huge benefits to it but there's also risks involved yeah within within that relationship as well um but they go a long way to to really helping that out and one of the things that i did notice about it, it reminds me a little bit so there'll be sections and then on the, uh, and there's little training sections in there. And then when you're reading on, it will refer you back to, 
you know, go to page 61 for how to train your dog not to, you know, snatch food or something mm-hmm. along those lines. And um, and it reminds me of the old adventure books you used to have when I was a kid. You I know, love old... those. I, lo- I, I always fell down a well or, you know... Did you just go, did you just flick balloon. back to where you come from and just go the other way? Yeah. That's what everyone does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were good. Back in the days before the internet. It <laughs> <laughs> probably was before the internet It as was well, before it? the internet, yeah. Good Lord, remember those days? They were great, weren't they? When, you know... And there wasn't any. Uh, no, shush, You're doing it again. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Okay. Right, okay. Anyway, so we're talking about the book. So why read it? Um, it's a really good resource. Uh, we'll talk to the authors more about it, and um, we uh, will hopefully keep things um, entertaining. I think we've done enough deep subjects for a little while. You know, yeah. it's a sunny day outside. Yeah. So um, if you want a book that looks at how to assess your dog for whether um, being around. Uh, kids might be um, uh, a problem for them um, and how to prepare and how to do safe introductions and how to teach your toddler to kind of respect uh, the boundaries you put in place with your dog um, then this is a good book to buy nice that should be written on the back my eye ouch oh one in the retina <laughs> um talking of retinas what pricked my eye was the observe section oh. of um chapter five uh, raising children around dogs and i want to ask um um Melissa and Vicky about it when we chat so I hope I'm not going to sound too negative here at all but um, they have a, a really nice protocol which is a um, oh no what's the what's the word how do you describe that where the first letter oh you're asking, word... completely asking the wrong person oh no so the word here is observe the words observe and then each one so it's owner's permission be approach sniff hand engage interaction um relax voluntary interaction end of engagement i cannot for the life of me remember what that is called but anyway i'm not sure um, i ever knew it <laughs> i'll do some googling <laughs> while you're chatting um so it's it's a very simple uh protocol and you know things are always easier to follow when they are simple and they have a nice um sort of acronym like that that then spells out a word which has a proper word but i don't know what it is um however Mm. i am debbie down a negative nelly and i just am a little bit concerned about the sniff hand because it's one of those things that i just have a little bit of a a bee in my bonnet about because i understand um when when you learn more about the olfactory system of, of, of canids, then you know that they smelt you a mile away. And so offering them a hand isn't really going to boost anything in terms of their olfactory system. It's really just giving them something soft and squishy moving into their area that they might then want to repel if they find it threatening exactly so um and i know that's a a kind of um uh not old school but you know it's the way that people think that we should be greeting dogs and i um you know it's just i don't think it's necessary no no. um and so um and i would just be very wary of um because this these steps are about greeting an unfamiliar dog now Again, in my work with uh, 
promoting responsible dog ownership and working in the countryside you know you're meeting other people in a public place and you don't know that dog and if you don't have the skills to assess that dog then you also shouldn't be relying on the owner of that dog to have the skills to assess that dog and so it's much better to just give everybody a bit of space and you know if the dog comes bounding over or looks like they want to say hi brilliant and i'm sure that's what melissa and vicky are getting at here because it does then say um you know only engage with the dog if he willingly approaches first so they have caveated it um but i just it pricked my eye because i just thought i wonder whether this might be then magnetizing children to dogs so that Every time they're walking past uh, an unfamiliar dog, they're having to say hi. And my goodness, mm. isn't that most of the work that we do with dogs that are reactive on a lead? Yeah. You know, because there's that frustration that's built up because they can't go and say hi to another dog. Do we really want to be encouraging that with our children as well? I can't believe who told me that. I can't believe. I can't remember, sorry, who told me this. But uh, uh, I remember I got told once that Oh, I wish I could remember who it was. I'll, I'll try and remember, and then maybe I'll. I'll We're both having memory lapses. Yeah, I know. Crazy, isn't it? It's the heat. Um, but they had taught their children to blow kisses to dogs. That's lovely. Instead of approach. Yeah. Um, uh, so every time I saw a dog, they go, I'm not blow a kiss across the road to the dog. So, yeah. so it kind of dealt with that interaction in a way. Yeah. Like, you know, we are interacting, but, you know, some dogs don't want to be approached. And yeah, I, I, I worry, again, you're, you're, you're right. Did I, mean, I sound sure. too negative? No, no, no. Then. I don't mean to be. It's... But it depends if people are going to read that and then, and then apply that to a dog that's tied up outside a shop. Not that yeah. I would ever advise anyone to tie a dog up out of shop, but unfortunately it does happen, you know, or, you know, a dog that maybe is just loose and doesn't seem to have an owner yeah. anywhere near, you know, all of those sorts of things. So there's a lot of factors in that. Um, Pub gardens as well. I remember reading a study. It might yeah. have been in the big book of dog bites, but I remember reading uh, a study or, or maybe it was just a, a simple case study um, about pub gardens being um, quite difficult for um, dogs and quite a high um, kind of uh, percentage of, of dog bites because they're tethered up under the table they've usually been for a walk it's usually hot that's why you're sat out in a pub garden kids are running around they want to go over and say hi mm. they get bitten on the hand or yeah you know um and so i guess i guess i come from it from that side and mm. that's why i maybe sound a bit um more cautious than some of the advice and i'm not saying it's it's bad advice at all i'm just i i just would be very careful about um uh whether greeting unfamiliar dogs is something we should be regularly doing anyway in terms of you know actually having an interaction waving or blowing kisses is brilliant i love that because then it's still a positive um interaction but it's not a real hands-on interaction let's put it this way i very rarely greet unfamiliar dogs no (laughs) and i i kind of i I deliberately do that as a favour to them. Yeah. You know, unless they want to say hi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but actually, most dogs that I meet out on a walk when I'm not with my dogs, if they are quite boisterous and they want to say hi, I also don't want the owners to give them a hard time for jumping up because usually the yeah. owners are then succumb to peer pressure and think, oh, this person doesn't want my dog jumping all over them. They don't know that I'm dog mad. Um so yeah it's really tricky isn't it i've seen an extreme version of that as well and this is an extreme version but i've seen in a pub garden funny enough you talk about it, like a a child playing around uh, there was a little terrier type dog under under the the bench 
um, with its family and the kid went over to kind of say hello mm. and the dog growled and lunged and barked at the kid and then the dog got told off. I mean, yeah. the, the guy actually give the dog a whack in this occasion which is horrendous but you're just like well he was okay he was under in his little safe spot under yeah. the you know and then the child came yeah. over so you know there's all there are all sorts of you know things to consider when it comes to those you know interactions and yeah how and should be. i think that kind of um you know that guy obviously felt really seriously about the fact that his dog yeah. had kind of you know shouted at a child um um and that then sets the scene for n- not the right reaction, mm. you know. Um, it's hard. It's really hard. Uh, we all have to remember that we're in a shared public space and that even if we wish people would behave in a certain way and keep their children on a lead or, <laughs> keep their, or not, you know, whack their dogs for barking at children, it's not going to happen. It's I used not to an have a lead world. when I was a kid. <laughs> not like they called them reins. Yeah, they did call them reins. And they yeah, had little reins, and I, I was just untrustworthy. I would be off. <laughs> I remember I went on a holiday once, and I disappeared. And my dad, like they took their eyes off me for a second, and I disappeared. My dad went running down to the quite close to the beach, and I loved the sea. I still love the sea. So straight away, he ran down to the sea. He's looking around for me. He's looking at the pool. He's thought I drowned. He's doing that. I was gone for the best part of 45 minutes, oh which must God. have seemed like an yeah. eternity. Do you know what I was doing? Just going up and down the lift. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was doing. <laughs> it's the simple things, isn't it? Isn't it? Pressing buttons. <laughs> but yeah, my poor dad, he brings that up. It's one of those stories that comes no up every your, Christmas yeah, dinner. No wonder you know? they kept you on a lead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> God, so my, my prick to my eye was... Uh, actually, there's a, there's a, a nice... A nice plethora of eye prickings this week um, because <laughs> um, it's it's all to do with that I talked before about pre- prep, like preparing. So if you are lucky enough not to have had a baby in a toilet and you and you have got <laughs> you've got the, <laughs> I can't believe I brought that up. Again. Shout out to all and the toilet babies out there. <laughs> I was a toilet baby. No, um, I wasn't. Um, I should have been. Um, but yeah, if you are lucky enough to know that you have got a kid coming into your life in some way, shape or form, for whatever reason, adoption, having a child, it's summer holidays, children going to be around more, then there is a lot stalk. of prep you can do. Stalk, of course. <laughs> I thought you meant like stalking children for a minute. No. <laughs> S-T-O-R-K, just I'm to be you. clear. Yeah. I'm with you. You can tell me and now I've got kids, can't you? <laughs> and, um, but yeah, but there's loads and loads of prep you can do. And this book is a great resource for kids getting you in tune with the kind of prep that you need to do because some people don't even consider these kind of stuff so i just wanted to go through a few of them and the reasons why so you can join in with me with this one can i you can oh thanks it's the sister behaviorist um join in section okay so um so handling Nah, so um, hand, I mean, we were doing handling in our puppy classes this week. Um, it's one of my favourites. Um, I often also think sometimes people kind of think, well, my dog, I cut on my dog all the time. They're fine. Um, mm-hmm. That word again, fine. Mm. Um, why, why get your dog used to being handling if you're going to have a kid around? Well, obviously, um, depending on the age of the child, what sort of developmental stage they're in, they might be, you know, going near, touching the dog. Now, of course, I would always say, you know, Active supervision is the key. Whenever you're like, whenever you've got children, you're around dogs. If you can't be actively supervising, I would be heavily managing that situation. But getting them used to the idea that there might be a bit of extra handling, maybe not even from the children, maybe from the adults, if kids are around, you know, um, isn't a bad idea. So that's a nice little prep there. Is there anything else you can think about in terms of Yeah, I think um, 
So there's the obvious handling of like, I just always think of like an unsteady toddler sort of bimbling towards a dog lying in a bed. Um, And, you know, proofing your dog for that might happen is is Mm. quite good. But also if you're going to be short for time and sleep deprived because of your new baby and you're, you know, going to have maybe a baby in arms, then are you going to fall into... Moving your dog around by their collar a bit more. Yeah, Yeah. and you know, ideal world, we'd say, oh, lure them with a treat or do some prior training so that you can send them to target a bed or go into their room on a verbal command. But realistically, if you haven't done that by the time the baby comes, it's not the time to sit and do some settle mat training, is it? So, you know, even just simple stuff like that, getting them more used to um, a little bit of come this way. You know, Mm -hmm. not dragging them, obviously. Um, But also handling from other people in the family. You know, my dogs will put up with um, a lot more. They used to being handled a lot more by me. Um, if I broke both my arms, you know, hopefully I don't, but if I broke both, both my arms, then other people are going to have to pick up the slack. Yeah. And so we would need to do a little bit of work for them getting used to, you know, being dressed or groomed or whatever by yeah. other people. So, um, being dressed. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, harnesses, that's what I say. I say, I say. Get dressed, get your clothes on. We're going for a walk. I, I would give you a hand getting dressed if would you, you had two broken arms. <laughs> <laughs> no, you would. You just, just flopping you'd watch around. Me. Now. You would watch me and laugh. That's a YouTube gold. That is. <laughs> so, uh, next one is introducing to new objects. Now, this is one that uh, uh, that kind of um, passes people by, I think. But things like so with a baby, some of the obvious things would be um, a pram. I can yeah. imagine how some dogs might be absolutely petrified if suddenly a yeah. pram appears and then it's associated with this noisy new being that's going around. So getting them used to those sort of objects also areas as well you know think mm. about how you want to set your house up um you know that's another great point that's brought up in the book um loose lead loose leads uh, i mean you know even even with the best one in the world nine months of of loose lead training you know um it takes a long time i think to loose lead train a dog i would say yeah and i think even some dogs that i would consider um you know walk, walking nicely on a lead mm. um they can still have their moments if yeah. a squizzle appears or if something spooks them yeah. and so if they are a large breed strong dog uh you know being realistic about whether that's safe to walk with a with a pram yeah you know yeah. Um, or a questions. baby in a in a you know carrier type thing you know those baby rucksacks you get yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the lingo. Is it papooses? Papooses. <laughs> Baby rucksack. Baby Oh, sack. hang on. Beer's arrived. Oh, hello. Hello. This is I actually on, get live. No, no, oh, no one's on there. No one's on there. You're live. You're live. You're live. Jay's come. So normally I get to see the beer, the beer fairy. Thank you very much. So look at this. This is cold. Look at Amazing. that. Amazing. But now we are sponsored by Jason Light. Thank you. Thank you very much. There you go. Sorry, you brought them here. I'm just going to steal you them. Basically. You can steal. Yeah, mate. You, you steal away. You absolutely steal away. Thanks. Waiter. Thank you very much. Okay, bye. Bye, Jay. Bye. That was a nice interlude. Should we leave that, that in? That was a nice interlude. Yeah, I'd leave that in. Yeah. I don't like doing any editing if at all possible. <laughs> apart from the sweaty bum story. Um, so, yeah, look, um, loose lead. Yeah, it's difficult. It's, it's a tough one to teach your dog. It really, really is. Um, uh, so... Yeah, um, if you've got lots and lots of time, you know, getting them used to doing it. But obviously, 
you're thinking about. I think we might have these these idyllic you know visions in our mind of I'm going to go walking with the pram and the dog. We're going to do yeah. this, you know. We're going to go and still on the school run with my existing children. Those those sorts of things. Think realistically about it because you know what tends to happen is oh I'm late for this. I'm late for that. I need to get this at some certain. I point. mean, yeah, multitasking is a serious skill, isn't it? Yep. And what most people end up doing, myself included, is doing everything a little bit crap <laughs> rather than one thing well yeah. then move on to the next thing that you can do well and spreading so spreading thin exactly um i don't know if they mention it in the book i can't remember but you know prep is all about you know if you think you might then need a dog walker yeah then find someone locally so that you know you've got an hour where you know your dog's gonna go out and that can be worth its have weight a, have a bit of fun gold yeah. as well can't it it really really can um they also talk about teaching sits lots of obvious reasons to teach your dog sit um coming through a door not mm-hmm. pulling you through a door you know safety measures they're, they're just nice little things nice little protocols and all of these things are um laid out step by step in the book which is really really nice a settle i love teaching settles settles are really really nice it's just a nice I love the whole training of a settle because it means I don't have to move around. Oh god, much. it's so it's like <laughs> my tai chi. Yeah. Because yeah. you just sit there and you you're waiting for the dog to kind of breathe deeper and really relax. Yeah. And so you start to as well. And uh I mean all my I mean they have their moments, my dogs are bonkers most of the time. But <laughs> they, they've all got a really good settle, like because I'm quite sloth like. <laughs> I swear to God, Scooby, God rest his soul, um, he would go, and I trained this, he would go to his bed, turn around in one circle. So if I said, on your bed, mate, he'd go around, he'd turn around in a circle once, he'd lay down, he'd lie on one hip, he'd put his head down between his paws, and he'd go... (sighs) (laughs) And that was the exact routine. And we actually shaped we trained all of those into so so we picked those all of those bits so first of all we teach him to go to his bed first and then we were looking for more settled behavior so laying down i think we i think we actually lured the down when we taught him it um but you can capture it um and then we were looking for the time when he flipped over onto one hip because that's a little bit more relaxed yeah and then when he put his head between his paws and we were using a clicker so we were clicking each moment i actually don't use a clicker for settles anymore i've adopted the jane arden approach which i think is absolutely fantastic by Mm. the way little plug for mission control there um but he would do it i'd bet people a tenner i'd say if i ask you know scooby to go on his bed he will go he will turn around he'll lay down he'll go on one hip put his head between his paws and just sigh and I always it always reminded me of when I sit down and I've got a beer you know <laughs> you know it's the end of the night you yeah, sit yeah. down you just kind of go ah, and relax yeah and he would fall asleep pretty much within I don't know a couple of minutes yeah and that's the power of that and I think trying to trying to talk um trying to get that across to people in puppy class when you've got a puppy is you can actually teach your dog to go somewhere and sleep like, please pray tell me mighty wizard how we do this because i haven't slept for 14 yeah. days but you, you can do it trust me you actually can do it and it's wonderful and like you say it's almost it is like mindfulness dog training my yeah, kind yeah. of dog training yeah we were doing it in a field the other day and i walked around and i was just walking around and just thinking this is me and this is yeah. my kind of dog training five yeah. dogs in a field we're all sat down they're all relaxed it's just lovely so settling massive massively love that that's part of the prep that they include in uh, babies kids and dogs um and the last one which we always talk about um in 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 the in the book they're talking about in case of a dog that might sleep on the sofa or, or go on the sofa so so let's say that you've decided right we've got a baby or a small child coming to the house now 
um, we want to teach our dog to go to an area to a bed or something in the living room but they but the, but the sofa is their area mm. so you start, start teaching an alternative behavior um, so that's great I mean you know we talk about that a lot don't we um, completely and I think um, when you've got your hands full mm-hmm. um, with children and children paraphernalia then having a verbal cue or even you know a lot of dogs will pick up on body language or you know looking at a particular area Mm -hmm. if you can get that solid then you haven't got to worry about the dog tripping you up and all sorts um i you know i always just think of that example of you know if something happened in an open plan room and you dropped i don't know you roast dinner on the floor could you then ask your dog to go to their bed and and <laughs> yeah. would it be you know because if there's a safety thing or you yeah. just need everybody out the way for a minute yeah maybe not a roast dinner maybe that's a bit extreme but um <laughs> uh, i'm always breaking glasses for yeah. example so um uh if i knock a glass over or i drop a plate or something because i'm clumsy um i don't want the dogs coming over to investigate what has just gone on um so on your bed everybody yeah and it keeps them out of the way and it's exactly the same with kids as well so if you're you know dealing with a toddler tantrum then you also don't need the dog joining in exactly exactly so yeah and they they, they do talk about other ways of prepping i think we look at impulse control in the book as well um which is great you know teaching them not to snatch um yeah loads and loads of things teaching them to swap things out as well is really really important um but uh, you know management is the key i think here that like you think Mm. about you know if you are thinking if you if you've if someone's maybe referred you to this podcast if you're thinking about getting kids and babies and you've got a dog already um you know having lots of areas where you can know the dog is safe the children are safe you know just little areas and, and the dog likes to be in those areas i think that's that's my big oh yeah i mean go to uh, that will maintain your sanity, I'm sure, yes. because you know, you know, everybody's tucked away safely, yeah. and you can, I don't know. Um, oh, hello. Go, hey, who's that? Pizza. Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's saying that's saying we should move on to the next section. Okay, let's go for that's it. That's our reminder. So, yeah, let's go. Here we go. Hi, Sheldon. Um, as ever, we are uh, amazingly thrilled, humbled. Um, and ecstatic to. Oh, I was just about to say ecstatic. There you go. Great mind think alike. Mm-hmm. Um, to have a Michael Duble of uh, <laughs> of interviewees You're today. You're desperate for that to stick. I you? am. So <laughs> Melissa Fallon and Vicky Davenport um, are. We're going to have a little interview with them. We, we are. And we can thank talk you very about much, babies, ladies. kids, and dogs. Yes, thank you very much. So um, I've got a dub. I've got a double um, bio to read out. So here we go. You ready? <clears throat> Apologies in advance, because I can't read. Right. Uh, Melissa Fallon, a highly qualified behaviourist, works as both a behaviour and training lecturer and a clinical behaviourist and trainer. Gaining her MSc in clinical animal behaviour at the University of Lincoln, UK, uh, she has continued to develop her knowledge and skills, completing the Life Skills Training for Trainers course and attending numerous conferences and seminars. Melissa is also a mother of three who has raised her children with her two beloved dogs at their home in York. I've been to York. It's lovely up there. It is rather nice. Lots of I've stone. not been. I've seen pictures. What's a York stone up there? Mm. That's where it comes from. <laughs> True fact. 
she she is passionate about promoting bite prevention and raising awareness about the benefits of human animal interaction within society there we she go she sounds all right doesn't she she sounds all right um vicky davenport is a qualified and experienced dog trainer after completing her animal behavior degree in 2004 at the university college of chester woo Whoop. Uh, Vicky worked in Thailand carrying out behavioural studies and caring for a range of different species. Wow. I want to ask her about that. Yeah, and I will uh, because I can. Yeah. Uh, she has also worked for Hearing Dogs for Deaf People uh-huh. as a dog welfare manager and now teaches dog training and behaviour at degree level. Vicky lives and works in York, where the stone comes from, <laughs> and is a proud mum of two boys and her two rescue dogs. My goodness, they've got five kids and four dogs between them. Amazing. There you go. Qualified then, I'd say. Yeah. Do you think they're going to be, because they have such busy family lives, do you Mm -hmm. think they're going to be like in a downstairs cupboard somewhere hiding from all of their family or a loft you know like how or a, a shed lot, a lot of, lot of BBC news correspondents have had to like god I hope that halfway in the interview the, the, the door <laughs> yeah. bursts open and the... this could be our chance to go this viral could be, we could be going viral can we <laughs> so um, yeah thrilled 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 yeah. oh before we start um, we, we wanted to talk about um, so this is all about babies kids and dogs so um, I believe you've got. A, oh a... yeah, we were so I we were thinking of what what when we were going through our questions, what we can ask them because we do prep. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it may not sound like it, people, but mm-hmm. we do. It um, takes an enormous amount of prep to be this loose. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I thought, oh, we could tell stories from when we were kids, uh, like dog stories. So um, one of mine, uh, it, my sister is going to not like me for telling this story i don't know if she remembers it because i haven't spoken to her about it for a long time but um when i was maybe 12 which in the 90s that was you were an an adult for anyone listening that is is younger than us you were you were an adult when you were 12 and you would regularly be put in charge of the whole street of children yeah um and dogs in my case so basically what would happen is after school i would walk up my road and collect a few children along the way i knew them i knew their parents like it wasn't weird um and and then at the top of my road uh, lived a, a lovely scruffy dog called ben and and we would pick up um his children and and him and we would all go to the park together so i was the adult like all these kids were my sister's age she's three years younger than me i don't know about anyone else but i'm totally imagining that was just exactly the same as she is now when she was 12 basically (laughs) basically yeah Yeah. um and so anyway we'd we walked the short walk to the park and um uh, the kids would entertain themselves and i would mainly just fawn over the dog because i wasn't allowed to dog when i was a kid and um Anyway, so I would never let Ben off the lead because he wasn't my dog and I was worried. Um, but he had a flexi lead. <laughs> here, here lies the um, the birth of my hatred of flexi leads. Okay. But um, it did make me laugh a lot. So basically. This particular time, it was a summer's day like today, mm-hmm. we had gone via the shop. We'd all bought ice creams. Mm-hmm. We were at the park with ice creams and I'm holding on to a dog that needs a lot of exercise that I don't really have full control of because I'm a 12-year-old. I don't know anything about dog training. I think I do, um, much like today. And um, <laughs> and anyway, he, so he's full extended 10 metres of string. 
and he sees someone playing football over there my sister is in between with her ice cream like right by her face and I can still you know some memories are like so clear in your head so he swings over and goes running for this ball it the the flexi lead takes her legs out and she falls backwards and her ice cream falls in her face (laughs) did he then lick all the ice cream because I was laughing so much. I mean, obviously I checked she was okay, but oh my goodness. Oh, uh, you know, flexi-lead injuries are not a laughing matter in some no. cases, but that that's it's amazing, amazing memory <laughs> of me being a stupid child taking on too much responsibility, being allowed to take on too much responsibility yeah. by the adults around me. Um, and uh, my sister ending up with ice cream in her face. Wow. I'd like to, I'd like to see that. <laughs> <laughs> My story is not as funny as that one, I don't oh, think. Oh, sorry. Uh, well, no, no, it's okay. Um, so we rescued... Um, the first dog I had as a child um, was Ben, and he was an English Springer Spaniel. He's a lovely, lovely boy. Mad as a box of spanners. Um, uh, he had a penchant for picking up a, the odd hedgehog. Oh, my God. And just holding on to them, like never letting them oh, go, wow. much to my dad's Found dismay. spiky treasure. Oh, he loved he loved to pick up a hedgehog. Never harm them. Mm-hmm. Very soft mouth, and they'd always wander off when he let them go. But he would hold on. He'd just be sat in the garden with it. He'd be like, I remember once. This isn't my story actually, but I remember once he picked up a hedgehog, and I think somewhere in the region of three hours, he held it in his mouth, and he's just out in the garden, sat there. Like I've got this thing. I don't know what to do with it. Oh my goodness! And then eventually he would let it go. Um, but the, the particular That's story was some serious gun dog genes going on there. <laughs> exactly. He's a picker upper. Exactly. Um, the particular story I wanted to tell was I think this might have been the first day we got him. This is what I kind of remember anyway. But we got him and we thought it would be great to take him straight to the beach. Mm-hmm. So we took him down to um, it's like a, a um, don't uh, settle him in, don't make a relationship. No, just... straight to the beach, <laughs> straight from. And we got him from Batsy as well, so it's like you know, like two hour car journey so to the ha- beach. Yeah, and he hasn't been out of a kennel environment for no. a while. It, it sounds like sounds no. judgment no well yeah. yeah didn't have much aftercare i don't think back in these days um but but so took him to the beach and my dad opened the car door and ben who'd been asleep on my lap the entire journey back i was smitten by this point um his just eyes went like Ba-ding! i remember there's a bang it opened up he ran out the car and he ran straight into the water and he started swimming and he swam and he swam oh and we're all out by the time we've all got out of the car and we're looking and we're like oh look, look at him he loves the water doesn't he look at him he's going <laughs> oh, he for it oh he loves to swim oh he loves to swim and he's swimming and he's swimming and he's getting smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where we can't see him anymore and I've got a real a real memory of my dad <laughs> going well that's that then uh, <laughs> trying to, turning us all around to get us back in the car and I remember me and my sister were like whoa whoa whoa, whoa yeah, we can't leave him out there and I, my dad was just like I, I've got no idea what to do I've, <laughs> I've rehomed a dog he's gone into the sea and he's gone at that point we saw that he was coming back so he'd started to turn around and come back uh, God knows how many kilometres that dog swam wow. that day but when he got out he was pretty exhausted so he was thankfully enough it was quite easy to corral and put a lead on but from that day on we were more careful when we took him to the beach <laughs> uh, it turns out but yeah both our stories were about a dog called Ben I know I did notice that said Ben yeah. good old Ben I've got a great picture of me you know like one of those sort of stable door um, doors and it's me 
when I used to have hair when I was I don't know I was like eleven or twelve and my hair was all spiky and like and then it's me and him just poking our heads over the top of it. Some of my favourite little pictures. I'll see if I can remember. There's terrier action going there is on. Terrier action. Terrier action. I might have to go and uh, see what they're up to. Corral them. <laughs> right. Well, let's hope that the uh, lovely ladies Melissa and Vicky have some stories they can tell us maybe about their own children indeed maybe like uh, confessions of a dog trainer (laughs) (laughs) well let's talk to them let's see how it goes okay let's go Can I just point out, I'm not really short. It's just that uh, that we are we're trying to observe some sort of social distancing here. Uh, at right. so, uh, yeah, and the only other chair that Nat's got is this tiny little chair. That yeah, she's in, so. it's just to maintain my authority over him. Yes. Oh, yeah. the, the patriarchy is live and well on the Barks from the Bookshelf podcast. It's good news. So we've just had a bit of a chat about the book. Um, Steve always does like... Um, uh, secret recording so he's probably recording now actually mm. yeah he is so that we don't miss any anything um it's so i can blackmail about blackmail you about um, not liking <laughs> <Yeah>. your children <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um but we'll we'll just go we'll just have a chat basically we've got a few questions that we've thought about um and uh then when we when we say goodbye we say fake goodbye so don't go because then, right, okay. then we can say real goodbye. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we'll say fake goodbye, and then and then that'll be that. But, um, <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so um, I'm going to throw you both in at the deep end, because even though I said don't prepare anything, it's very informal, we're just going to chat about the book. Um, Steve and I have just um, shared a, a silly story from our own childhood that we remember related to a dog. Um, and we wondered if you both might have something maybe from your own childhood or with your own children almost like you know parental confession of something silly that might have happened (laughs) with with you and your dogs and your your kids does anything spring to mind well I mean this is a bit off topic from the parent side of things but from me as a child I mean I just know because I lived in Hong Kong when I was at primary school oh wow well we lived in a flat so we couldn't have a dog I mean all I got was a couple of hamsters which were amazing at the time but I was desperate for a dog every Christmas list I wrote had dog at the top (laughs) and as soon as we came back to England that was like the promise to get me my dog so I didn't get my first dog till I was like 11 um so yeah that was my you know obsession at the time what still is I guess (laughs) um from a parent, I mean, I mean, just there's loads. But one thing I do remember, I suppose it's a little bit negative in the teaching side of things. But um, Boris, my old Labrador cross Rottweiler, he was quite sensitive with his paws, you know, being touched. And um, my two-year-old, you know, went up to him. He was sleeping on the sofa and she was grabbing at his little his paws. Um, he did his grumble but obviously as we talk about in the book you know it's important that they can have their voice um so obviously I responded got her got her away you know but I used that as a real key teaching 
point in my lessons yeah. whenever you know we're teaching our students it's about us responding the right way and listening to our dogs but allowing them to be them you know so it's a bit of a confession but you know it's it's i think all parents we have those moments but as long as our dogs are kind of confident relaxed in general and know we're going to listen to them you can kind of get away with little things like that yeah and I think you know we all have that don't we as Mm. trainers and behaviorists and it it kind of shows that we're we're human as well not everything always goes perfectly to plan you you know yeah you can supervise as best as possible but your eyes aren't everywhere are they and I was sat in the room when she was going up to him (laughs) when she grabbed his paws you know so supervision's great but you've also got to have that robust dog I think to be able to cope with it or at least set the environment up right as best you can yeah what about you Vicky yeah nothing major really I suppose it's just um I've got a toddler now he's 18 months so it's just all of that flooding back again that you've got to you've got to do even though my dogs are are used to having children around this is their third child (laughs) to be around um it's just that like you say that's being aware isn't it that you know you have to supervise and putting things back in place that you thought oh I'm done with this now they're used to that but then actually <laughs> now we, I've got a baby again it's like oh no we're not done with that we have to just make sure they're still okay um in those situations so it's just yeah those little things really that you're kind of having to refresh again thinking oh I should really do that <laughs> yeah so what led you guys to to write the book? What were the, what was the impetus? I mean, obviously hearing little stories like that, um, maybe, maybe that was the reason why you thought, well, actually we should we should get together and do something. But a little bit of background about maybe how you met and what led up to the book. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to go, Melody? Yeah, I can start. Yeah. Go on, um, <laughs> yeah. So we well we met at Ask and Brian College. So we both um, teach dog training there, and it kind of just came off the back of we we were the only two real dog trainers at the time teaching FE. Um, now we've kind of progressed into HE, but we kind of just had to meet, you know, because we were we had to organise who was using the dogs on which days, things like that. So we kind of had to become friends. Um, but it's kind of- <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay, we got a podcast scoop there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Only friend through being a colleague. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, and then it just progressed because obviously we realised we had kids at the same age. Vicky was actually pregnant when I first got there, and then I became pregnant after that. So we, you know, we met, you know, when we were on maternity leave, um, and because we both had that passion with dogs, passion with the safety, you know, aspect with children. Because as you guys probably, you know, we've. We think it's so important that kids are raised around animals, but in the safe way, you know, mm. so it's harmonious for both of them. And it just kind of grew from there. We always, every time we get together, we're either talking about our kids or we're talking about our dogs. So <laughs> it's just been the natural progression, really. I've always, I've always struggled to, to comprehend, I haven't got children, how do you have enough room in your phone for the pictures of dogs and children <laughs> at the same time how, how does that work do you have to delete loads of photos periodically every you day you have to pick a favorite and just go <laughs> yeah, for it. Start merging them together it's <laughs> a good point day. yeah dogs and children together yeah, i had that moment today where i was like i'm, I'm trying to make 
make a little video and there's not enough storage on my phone so i've got to go through and you start looking you're just like i've literally just got like hundreds of vi- <laughs> like half made tutorial videos and you know ones <laughs> yeah. where i slip up or fall over and things like that and then just going through it's quite depressing kind of trying to delete all these all these pictures yeah, you... it seems to be sorry it seems to be at the time whichever one is annoying you least that you have more <laughs> you can chart your annoyance level by looking back through yeah. your gallery it's like oh, the kids were being good this week oh, not yeah. so much this week <laughs> so what caused the actual book to be written then what point did you say to each other right this is a great idea let's go for it um, I think, to be honest, it was mainly Mel's idea, and you had, I think your initial idea was something to do with writing something about how it's similar, raising children and dogs, mm. um, and we kind of started in that area, and then it kind of progressed on to actually, let's be a bit more about how we need to prepare dogs for being around children, um, and it kind of was just a natural progression, I think, from those first ideas, wasn't it? And like I say, we were both pregnant at around the same time, so I think we were, it was just at the forefront of our mind was like oh, we need to start to do this um i had an, a new dog at the, just after i had um my second child dylan so it was um yeah one of those things that was just right at the front of our mind thinking okay we need to start preparing for this baby coming and obviously the new dog and then obviously mel was in the same situation so it just kind of naturally progressed i think yeah yeah I think we only had babies really to get the to have the photo opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? I was just about to say that because I lo- I love hearing about like the behind the scenes stuff. So, is is the book basically a photo album of both of your husbands, children, dogs, yeah. homes? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that never that never occurred to me. <laughs> yeah, it is all, all children, much. all the dogs, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> And that, that was we spent in the garden trying to get them all to behave. I at the bet. Same time. I bet. But all the more reason to buy it for all your friends and family for Christmas because it's a double whammy. You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, get them to buy it. Get them to buy it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and Hubble and Hattie, what a fantastic publisher as well. Absolutely brilliant. So yeah, they're, yeah. They're one of my faves. Oh, sorry. We saw a few of their other books and we just love how they present it. You know, yeah. the colourful pictures and, yeah, they just look pretty, don't they? They yeah. do. And they're such a good... Uh, I mean, we've talked about it earlier. It They're really good practical resources, you know, for... for when I've got a case where there might be kids in the family, it's so easy to just go buy this book (laughs) you know there's loads of stuff in there that you're going to benefit from and um they're kind of they're in-depth enough that you can go through it methodically if you're that kind of person but also skip to the bits that are relevant if you're that kind of person you you know um yeah yeah i mean we tried to have a chapter in there you know so we've got chapter on obviously preparing your dog thinking about them chapter on the toddler you know so that they can actually can read pictures with them and we tried to just make it as um useful as possible but also where the science has gone you know to suggest that reading stories and looking at pictures with them might be a useful way of teaching them um i mean we hope it's you know helpful in avoiding bites obviously that's Mm. the main issue and making things as good welfare wise for all all involved um, as science moves forward, obviously there's things that may be missing, you know, and I think other things that we can add on to that. 
um, which is again where we'd like to take our research with the college. Um, but yeah, like I say, just as practical as possible with as many chapters just for each section of child. That's a really nice, it leads me on to one of my questions actually. So so when you decided to write it, was, was it things you already knew? Was it things you were discovering as you went along? Did you look to other resources to find some of the information out? Yeah, I think, I mean, most of it was what we already knew, but we wanted to try and make it, like say, as, as scientifically valid as possible as well. So I think initially we had like lots of information there about emotions within dogs and mm. things and uh, what could cause dog bites and things like that. And then we kind of scaled that right down because we thought, well, it needs to be for dog owners. They need to understand it. Um, so we would definitely go into other resources um, to get all of the, you know, additional information that backs up everything that we already know. And then we just kind of tried to scale it down to be a more, like, say, user-friendly go-to guide almost. If, you know, you just need to know how to do this. Okay, well, let's just stick to that bit, that exercise or that chapter or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I think it was yeah, a mixture of both, wasn't it? Yeah. And try and also highlight where there are other good resources out there as well. So if this doesn't necessarily help you in regards to... I don't know, the toddler side, you want more child-friendly stuff. You know, there's plenty of other resources out there, like the Blue Dog and, yeah. you know, the Dogs Trust offer things. So it's just almost giving them other things because we just want it to be as useful as possible and um, not necessarily sell. I mean, it would be great to sell loads of copies too, <laughs> but, but we just want it to actually be good for families, you know, and non-families, even you know, just dog owners that want to be able to take their dog out into society and their dog be able to cope with kids coming up to them, you know, and yeah. not have to worry all the time. You know, so just friendly, useful for everyone, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, we're obviously in the business, but um, we haven't got kids and we have both had the book on our prospective bookshelves for years because mm. it's such a good resource to be able to refer. And like you say, I meet, I've got kids in the family. I meet yeah. them when I'm out and about. Um, so it, it's just one of those extra things to think about when you're looking to, you know, be in public safely with your dog, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's a lot of, you know, we've talked about this a lot, haven't we, Mel? But there's a lot of pressures on dogs um, to, you know, just know how to behave in these types of situations. And, you know, it's, it's not reality. And, you know, the more people understand that, that they do actually do need to do some preparation with the dogs they can't just take it to the park and be around children and expect it to be fine so it's it's trying to kind of get that message across as well i think definitely yeah. it does dogs that really well really really well oh yeah. thank you nice. but dogs seem to have it hardest you know like you kind of horses will bite people cats will bite people other domestic animals will bite people and also almost be forgiven for it mm. or cats will do that you know, and dogs never seem to get that forgiveness. And I get that theirs is going to be potentially a lot worse and even life-threatening. Um, but it's, you know, we also expect to be able to take them to the beach, be able to take them to the city centre. Yeah. And mm. no other domestic animal moves around and has to meet as many people as dogs do. So it's, you know, it's just being aware of that and not necessarily changing our expectations, but, you know, having to understand that we do need to, prepare them for it you know and hopefully make them where they're not going to suffer and you know and get that anxious that they feel like they have to bite or whatever it might be 
Mm. There's there's so much nuance in it as well, isn't there? Because there's a lot of peer pressure from the human side of it for if someone mm. does ask, can my kids say hi to your dog? You, you know, you think, well, well, yeah, but how are they going to say hi? Mm. And, oh, it's all gone wrong and it's gone wrong and it's too late now, you know. Um, in in the section I was, I talked about the, um, the observe uh, bit of advice that you've got in the toddler section. Um, and... Um, I hope it doesn't sound negative because I didn't mean it to sound like that at all, but I just wanted to, you know, highlight and I'm, I, I hope you agree that it's, it's really easy to magnetize kids to dogs and for them to then become expectant of greeting another dog. And I know you've got that as a caveat in the observe, you know, let the dog approach you. Um, but you know, I found myself in situations certainly where there hasn't even been a moment for that to happen um and so um you know when i'm giving advice to you know friends and family or i'm out with their kids um then you know we would give space really and and not try and uh train the children that every dog is for stroking i hope you agree with that and it doesn't come across as a (laughs) well actually another parental confession there are loads of these but (laughs) every now and then But I was at my sister's wedding and my youngest son was, I think he was about two at the time. Um, We went on a boat for my sister's wedding. It was like, it was just like a, it wasn't a private boat. So there were other people on there and someone had a little cavalier or spaniel in the corner. And my son just darted over to this cavalier and gave it a massive hug. And I obviously leapt out of my skin thinking, oh my gosh, do you know what I mean? A, embarrassed the fact that he'd done that when I'm supposed to. I don't, oh no, I don't think we'd written the book by then, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's still not appropriate when I'm supposed to be teaching that. Yeah. I felt so bad. And also I felt fearful because obviously I know that not all dogs should have to cope with that, you know. So that was a horrendous situation. So yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying. But like life happens doesn't it and this is why this is why the the this sort of information is so important to get out into the public psyche because you know things on the flip side of that there's loads of information in there for parents to be able to deal with situations like that when when they occur or or to start cluing um the general public into how dogs communicate using their body language so that you can maybe look over and see is that dog comfortable is that not and then that's why books like this are so important Mm. and and i love i like i've 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 got a confession to make i did buy your book i've lost it or not lost it i've lent it to someone um somewhere along the line a client or something along and then forgot to get it and i was i write my name in all my books and i write down (laughs) when i've lent them to someone but 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 the point i want to put across is that that's how much i like this because you know i was willing to lend it out to a client at some point and then forget about it and now i've got to rebuy it unfortunately but good for you guys obviously (laughs) but yeah i you know life life does get in the way and the more information we've got about dogs and you know things happen from time to time we were talking about stories earlier on about um like kids in pub gardens running around like playing like children will in a pub garden but I remember seeing once there was a, a little dog on the just underneath one of the bench seats just sat there on its own business and a child went over and went to sort of reach under unbeknown to the people that were sat they hadn't noticed the kid and then the dog growled at the child and then the owners told the dog off and you know you're just thinking oh these are all of these kind of situations that happen there's so many different things that can happen so many different situations 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I Mel's probably experienced the same, but when I take my children to school, um, everybody takes mm. their dog on the school mm. run. Everybody, and they're all tied to the fence posts, all so close to each other. Yeah. And then all these kids come out, and then they're just surrounding these dogs. And I just think, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. And I have a heart failure pretty much every time I have to pick up my children from school because it's just. It must yeah, be so think... hard to watch because you're in both yeah. worlds as well, so you know yeah. that there's you know there's nothing malicious from the children wanting to say hi or from the dog saying i'm scared um yeah, definitely. It I think it's, it's that balance anyway we have to educate the adults almost yeah. just as much as the children as well because the adults just need to have that understanding that the dog you know they might think that they cope but actually they don't um and i think there's been recent studies done to show that you know dog owners particularly don't read their dogs very well no. um so you know we need to get that across as well so and a lot of the education focuses on children, I think. Mm. Um, so having that, like assessing dogs in the first chapter, I think really helps them try to understand some of the body language that they need to be looking up, you know, looking out for particularly anyway. It does um, speak, doesn't it, massively to, for want of a better word, the resilience of dogs. Because you think of all of these interactions that must be happening hundreds, thousands, millions maybe on a daily basis, school runs and, you know, dogs being tied up outside shops and things along those mm. lines. And I know, you know, obviously we, we, we looked into Daniel Mills and who is it, Carrie? Yeah, we, we we read some stats out from the Big Scary Dog Bite book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. About children and, and, you know, how often they get bitten. but And where they get bitten and all that kind of stuff. But, the, but these interactions must happen on a daily basis so many times. And, you know, I, I don't know if it speaks to resilience or or maybe just benevolently putting up with these things that dogs do. Um, but it, it just goes to show, doesn't it, that, you know, dogs are pretty incredible in terms of putting up with stuff, you know, um, yeah. you know when they're uncomfortable. Um, even if we don't know that they are uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, it's like going back to Boris, you know, when he was laid on the sofa and my daughter was playing with his feet, you know, he grumbled or growled. Um, and I was thinking, you know, if I wasn't there and, you know, took her off him, I mean, he he's such or was such a patient dog. Mm. You know, he's a Rottweiler cross who get a bad rep, you know, which is... Mm really another thing that really makes me sad because he was just such a patient dog and I was thinking if that had escalated how would it have you know and I try and think about his behavior and um, try and predict what he would have done and the absolute most I think if he got that aroused or frustrated he would have just got up and walked away because yeah. that was the kind of dog he was um, so he choose but he had the confidence that he could take himself out of that situation yeah um, I mean, it could have rose if he, he couldn't get away, I guess, to a point where he would have bitten, you know, if he had no other option or choice. But, I mean, you know, it just it, like you say, it shows their resilience and patience, you know, that mm. some of these dogs do have. I like that. Patience. That's a, that's a better word. I like that. <laughs> and, 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 and when you are, you're dealing with these subjects, you quite quickly, if you were in the business, if you're a trainer, behaviourist, you, you quite quickly go into sort of like the potential pitfalls and because we've seen it we've all we've all seen those kind of things what this book does is strikes that real happy that happy note of like you can prep for this you can get you know you can be prepared you know it's all very nicely written out it's very very for want of a better word um 
optimistic, isn't it? The like the the tone in the book. Whereas quickly, you know, we we've all talked together and straight away we're talking about situations where dogs might bite and things along those lines. And it's really we easy can't for help us to do can that. We? We're like, yeah. Worst and, case scenario, straight away. Yeah. Um, did did you have to consciously think about that, keeping the tone like that of the book? I mean, obviously, it's a harder sell. You got a doom yeah. and gloom book about potential bites that are going to happen to children, but you, you, what, what I'm trying to say is, you, you struck that chord really nicely in the book. I think it's great the optimism and the, and how you know, t- telling people this is how you prepare. If you prepare like this, things can go smoothly. Yeah, I mean that's it all the way through. We really hoped it would come across that way that we're trying to just make your lives nicer, make your dogs' lives happier. You know. And it is a, like you say, it's a hard thing to do because you don't want to really say in the book at all, you know, to avoid bites because that's like the worst case scenario. And it's hard also to promote growling. You know, you don't want to obviously promote growling because you don't want it to get to the point. But at the same time, it is something you want the dog to practice. Mm. So it's a hard thing to teach people to um, almost promote a growl, but not. Do you know what I'm saying? Because you yeah. want the dog to practice growling, but at the same time, you don't want to say that exactly in the book. Yeah. And that's a good thing. And that it just shows your dog is, you know, talking to you. And um, yeah. that's suppose it's avoiding all of that wherever possible, keeping them as relaxed. Yeah. And um, it's obviously the key. And those, so, yeah, it is a bad balance. Those myths that persist as well. Yeah about you know if your dog growls they're being rude or you know all of those things that they're still they're still out there they still persist now i still see you know whenever you tell people in class and puppy classes you know you never tell your dog off for growling it's a really important part of their communication you still see eyebrows get raised every now and again you know and it's it's it, it just i don't know how long it will be before that really permeates our public consciousness about it it's a, it's a difficult one it's, it's really hard and I think you know I, I've lived it as well because living with dogs that have a bite history maybe before they come to me seeing a, a de-escalation to a growl is momentous mm. you know I, I still remember the first time Jack my collie growled at me obviously I wasn't doing anything to um deliberately to to make him growl at me um but he was a dog that would had would fly up the ladder of aggression and just go straight to bite. So to see him start to be able to de-escalate and learn that actually this lady's going to listen to me if I'm feeling a bit worried, you know, I always joke and say the first day he growled at me, we went out for an hour <laughs> just to, just to prove to him that we were really listening um, yeah. and that, that that strategy would work and please don't bite us to get your point across um but it's a really difficult conversation to have isn't it it's it's really yeah. hard because it's um i get i guess maybe it's it's um it's handy to have kind of human um comparisons of the same kind of conversations you know if you heard a, a change in someone's tone of voice you would listen yeah. and worry you know if we were all sat around having a a drink at a pub garden and it's general chatter and you suddenly hear someone shout it gets everyone's attention mm. doesn't it and that yeah. i think you know that could be for a good reason or a bad it could just be two people larking around but you all look because it's it's sort of triggered you and 
I think dog growls are the same kind of way, but we should also be looking for all the subtle building up stuff as well beforehand. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you hear all the times of all those people that can get out the way of being bitten. Oh, he nearly bit me, but yeah. I moved quickly. It's like, well, you didn't. Yeah. He just didn't <laughs> you, you know, just <laughs> at you. It's just yeah. another part of the <laughs> conversation. Uh, so, yeah, it's like you say, it's what works for them. So it's almost trying to teach that in a book is really quite difficult because like you mentioned, ladder of aggression, you know, we've put that in there because obviously mm. it's an important part of reading some of the signals, but some dogs like you've obviously experienced don't even go through that linearly. Yeah. 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 And either because they've learned that it doesn't work or it's been missed yeah. by, by the humans. Um, yeah, so it's it's not always as, as simple. And, and people are the same, aren't they? Some people will gently get more angry. Some people will fly off the handle. You know, it depends what's been going on that day as well. I yeah. saw a, a ladder of aggression the other day when uh, when uh, my wife Corin was dish, <laughs> dishing up chips um, and I was watching her body language and she was excelling up the ladder of aggression as I got closer to the chip. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was quite an interesting study. I wish I'd taken a little video. To the point when I actually got quite close to the chips, I swear she was going to stab me with a fork. So that would have been that would have been the bite section, wasn't it? You're in the red zone. Yeah, then, I was yeah. T- certainly in the red zone. Yeah. Right, let's stop talking about bites. Yes. Let's talk about all the brilliant things about um, kids and dogs. So, uh, you know, you you both live with children and dogs. So, what are the amazing things that you've observed? There must be times where you're sat there just, you know, gently supervising everything and you see some really lovely little moments that just break your little heart. So share some of them with us, if you don't mind. Um, oh, gosh. There's, I mean, obviously, there's quite a few, I think. Um, for me, it's more like just when they go and, you know, they'll be watching TV and one of the dogs will go lay next to them and then they'll just put their arm around them and it'll just be a nice little stroke while they're just both, you know, watching, chilling out together. That's quite nice. Um my middle son, Dylan, he's really into dogs, so he loves doing everything. You know, he feeds my dogs every day, twice a day. He's, he's really into that. And um, recently, with everything that's been going on, being at home a lot more, he's been asking, oh, can we, you know, train Tally to empty the washing machine and do wow, these little brilliant. things? So, yeah, we've, we've been doing little, like, little tricks and stuff, and it's just really nice that he wants to get involved. You know, there's no, you know, we're not trying to make him do it he wants to you know can we do this today can we do some of that stuff with those biscuits that we do and yeah it's it's really nice just to see him want to get involved I think um yeah yeah like you say I mean my um youngest son Tommy he always sits on the floor in front of the tv he's not really a sofa person so we've actually bought ordered him a beanbag because we feel a bit sorry <laughs> for <him. laughs> but all the dogs and the cats well I say all the dogs we've only got one now but she always goes and lies next to him Bumble his cat always goes and lies on him you know it's like they always congregate together and and like Vicky was saying it's that they kind of build that responsibility of you know feeding them and knowing how they should be looked after and but also I think a key part is just that empathy you know I mean I'm one of these where we don't like to kill any bugs or anything like that you know we'll find a spider or move outside or my daughter actually names them so we have to keep them <laughs> um, well tell but, her I've got Sid the Spid in my bedroom oh, that I haven't managed to evict yet so oh she'll love that <laughs> <laughs> it's just that empathy you know they seem to care 
you know, and if they're like in the morning meowing at the window, they'll always let them in, you know, and things like that. They just care. They don't like to see them sat outside meowing. So, yeah. I think that's that's... that's very nice as well because they get so used to um, just the normal routine, like getting the kids out for a dog walk is not an issue because this is it's just what the dogs need. It's what we do every day. So it's like, oh, it's time to take the dogs for a walk. So we go and then they're all running around and it's just really nice. It's not that, you know, they have to be forced out the door so we can, you know, get the dogs out, get the kids out. Everybody can run around for an hour and then hopefully I'll come back. You know, they're all flaked out and I can do something for <laughs> a bit of time. <laughs> and then everyone gets a Kong, yeah. <laughs> exactly, when things, when things happen. <laughs> you should be able to remind me of something, actually. When I was a kid, we had a... I, well, I'm, I'm remembering this wrong. And, or, or it was a group it was a succession of different spiders but we had a spider like a house spider lived under our stairs for what seemed like years when I was a child um, and I <laughs> named him Boris and I had made up this narrative in my head that Boris liked to eat pizza and every Saturday my mum would make homemade pizza so I would save a little bit and go and stick it in his web now of course my parents realised oh. that Boris didn't eat pizza but I was beside myself if ever they tried to remove it so I've got vivid yeah. memories of this like green mouldy pizza <laughs> Just sat in the corner under the stairs, only a little tiny little bit, but I wouldn't let him take it away. And every now and again, it would disappear, and I'd be like, "Look, look, he ate it, he ate it." <laughs> now you're an adult, you realise it might have been somebody else. It might have been it. Santa. <laughs> and Boris is Boris is such a great name because that was what my Rottweiler was called. Yes. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Boris the Spider. Yeah. <laughs> and it, I, I, some of the best moments I remember as a kid were, you know, solitary moments with me and my dog. And, and I, he was just amazing. The dog I had when I was growing up, we talked about him earlier on, Ben, uh, English Springer Spaniel. Um, he was brilliant. He was a right pickle. He had no, no training <laughs> whatsoever, but his character was brilliant. And we were thick as thieves. Like when we used to go, I used to walk him all the time. Um, I used to let him off the lead. He was the sort of dog I would never let off the lead nowadays. But uh, you know, he was he was just brilliant, and we used to run around and have so much fun. And and those benefits are just huge, absolutely huge. Yeah, definitely. I think it's always thinking back to your teenage years as well. You know, I remember when I had boy troubles and I'd go and lie on my bed crying, feeling sorry for myself, and, and you get Jake up and cuddle him. Um, and I'm- <laughs> Jake wasn't allowed upstairs. My mum had a clear rule of that, but I don't want to sneak him up anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can rely on them. Yeah. When you've got heartbreak issues, that's more important. <laughs> I think the empathy thing is, is so important, isn't it? And, and maybe a lot of people kind of fall into the trap of thinking that a pet would be good for their children because it teaches them responsibility yeah. and it encourages compassion and all that kind of stuff but it still needs to be kind of adult led doesn't it so yeah. i think where where perhaps some of the companion animals that maybe have more welfare issues in terms of how we keep them like rabbits and maybe some of your hammies that you were talking about and guinea pigs you know the kind of easy to to obtain um pets whereas dogs like 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 you say vicky you're up you're out you've got to walk the dog you know it becomes more ingrained in in daily life um and so i think you know maybe 
people that kind of fall into the trap of thinking that the pet will teach the child empathy actually yeah. it's got to come from that parental influence hasn't it and and be led as a family really yeah absolutely i think there's you know there's loads of research out there suggesting all these amazing benefits dogs can have on um children and everything like that and, and that drives maybe a lot of why people get pets and things but yeah it's about uh, that balances it. it's knowing that that can happen in these situations again if parents are helping with that relationship but being mindful of the fact that, that there probably is a bit of research bias out there as well that you know there are other things that maybe um don't complement each other as well so it's the it's again it's coming back to education and that people need a good well-rounded knowledge of why they're getting the dog in the first place mm. and understanding everything that can happen the positive and the negatives to to then obviously once they've considered everything then hopefully they can have a dog and it can have all nice positive interactions and everything but you know it isn't going to happen for everybody all the time so it's just yeah it just comes back to the education side of it doesn't it yeah always so what are you guys doing um in fe at the moment you're still working together yeah yeah we're teach he now so we're canine and feline degrees at Aston brian college oh fab I mean, I'm currently on maternity leave, so I've left it all with um, Vicky yeah. again. Yeah, <laughs> again. <laughs> but yeah, we run a foundation degree under BSc, and we've just started running a master's as a college as well, which is um, not just canine and feline, it's more horses and most behaviour, but it goes into more the clinical behavioural side as well. I mean, we don't course manage that, but we teach on it as well. That sounds fab. There's more and more courses popping up now, isn't there? I don't know, you know, I remember when I was first looking at undergrad options, it was sort of biological science or bioscience and zoology, which is what I went for in the end. And now there's so many amazing courses around about animal management and, you know, you can go into more kind of care type stuff or you can go into behavior stuff so is, is your course quite hands-on or is it a, a quite nice mix of everything um we tried to have a, a mix because my background is obviously from industry so it was very much coming from that industry side needing to have that practical experience mm. um, but obviously we need that theory element underpinning everything as well so we tried to have a balance in it we tried to build it over the years as well so you know they're doing um you know care welfare and, and some basic training in the first year and then we step that up to more advanced training some clinical stuff in the second year and then it's mostly cl- clinical type behavior in the in the third year so it, it's all kind of a natural progression hopefully of what they're learning um balancing the practical and the the um yeah the theoretical application as well um, and we just tried to as much as possible see what industry wanted you know what do they want when people going out into industry what key skills and knowledge do they need and we've tried to build the the degree around that um and around you know some of the awarding bodies their their requirements we've, we've kind of written it all around that as well so yeah um mix i think hopefully it works i think it works <laughs> sounds great what what how has uh, covid affected your teaching have you had to go online is there stuff that you can change with your assessments or yeah the HE year is is a little bit shorter so we can tend to finish in May anyway so it's kind of only the last few months 
um, but everything had to transfer onto being online mm. and then we had to um, change a few assessments just to help that along um obviously what happens in september we're not 100 percent sure yet mm. um probably a mix of online teaching and maybe getting in hopefully for some practicals as well so yeah we're just trying to adapt we might you know have to change how we um teach some of the elements in which order we teach them in and things like that but um it's all kind of planning to go ahead as normal and yeah hopefully just being able to deliver it um yeah in a safe way but in hopefully hopefully still an engaging way if we have to do it online as well so we're going to be trying to get lots of video footage and things aren't we over the summer trying to <laughs> get lots of videos on there just in case yeah you can do lots of analysis and all that there's lo- there's loads you can do still isn't there really um, yeah, and I don't know about you, but I've definitely seen well the number of courses go up, which then sort of says that the number of students are going up as well, and the the interest in the you know companion animal training and behaviour sector is just increasing, increasing really, mm-hmm. um, as are our number of of pets as a as a country. So mm-hmm. I think we're in an all right sector in terms of yeah. <laughs> how we go forward. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. sort of uh, that sort of fear of uh, like, oh, will, will everything return back to normal after lockdown? That's been you know, dispelled quite quickly for me. It was quite yeah, got very busy very very quickly. Mm. So that was quite nice. Yeah. But yeah, are there, so is there another possibly another book on the horizon? Have you discussed that? Are you thinking about it, or are you like, nope, one's enough? <laughs> <laughs> we are actually currently writing another book. Ooh. So it's uh, it's like a. Well, the aim initially was for it to be like a training manual to help our students through. So something, again, quite easy to put the theory across. Um, I mean, the theory is always what it is, but in trying to do it in a more practical way if we can. So almost just putting the theory into practice. So it was just something really that we can help our students with. Um, But we're writing it now, engaging the students, but also hopefully a wider um area of people you know so hopefully just even dog owners and um will be able to access it if they've got that interest in the theory side of things as well yeah oh, sounds good oh, you have to come back on then that's the rules yeah that yeah. is, that is cool. sorry <laughs> <laughs> hopefully i'll be out next year so oh fab yeah. wow there was something actually um that you um that i had for um vicky um you did. You worked in Thailand for a little bit. Uh, yeah, a long time ago now. And what were you uh, doing? What were you doing? It sort of alludes to it in the bio at the yeah, back we, of the book. We want to know like, what these other species yeah. were. Were they really <laughs> oh, exotic? Well, I can't remember what we put on there now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it was when I finished my degree. So it was back in two thousand and four or something ridiculous like that. A very long time ago. Um, initially, I went out to do some behaviour studies um, on Asiatic black bears, which was the main thing. Mm. Um, that was out there but then it is in Thailand um, the way they keep animals obviously they do their best but it's not always the the best welfare and how people interact with them um, is a little bit different as well so it kind of changed a little bit to be more about the welfare and improving the welfare and how they how we can educate the local people and how to care for them Mm. as well but um, it was mainly Asiatic black bears, white-handed gibbons, benturong think there was something else but I can't remember (laughs) (laughs) it might have been a macaque or something um so yeah it was it was mainly that I did it for a a six seven months something like that um yeah just a really good experience really to 
So were you trying to track uh, wild individuals or was it sort of enrichment studies of of captive? Yeah, so initially the behaviour study they wanted was to do with learning, so how captive, um, having a captive environment affected their learning process, how quickly they could learn. Um, And that's what we initially started doing, did collect some of that data and then um, we just kind of progressed a little bit more onto, you know, let's try and get these you know, these animals, these bears are in these tiny little cages. Um, all of them had been rescued from temples and people had had them as pets and things like that. Oh, so okay. they were doing the best they could mm. for them, but it obviously it wasn't the best welfare. So it kind of progressed into you know, teaching the local people how they can best care for these animals as well um, and trying to educate them a little bit um, on that side of it. So it was really, a really good experience, but it still didn't shift me away from the dog side. I still came back <laughs> yeah. and went straight back into the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds amazing. I've been trying mm. to watch um, Bear in the House that they're showing on BBC Two at the moment again. Um, but Gru, my lurcher, is <laughs> that's him there. He's not. He's not keen uh-huh. on the bear on TV. He's <laughs> not keen on it. <laughs> and I've got a Jack Russell Terrier, so I can't watch any animals of any sort. <laughs> In any way, shape, or form I mean, on the television, we should probably find a dog trainer somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of a busman's holiday, though, yeah. isn't it? Turning you know, when dog. you just want an easy life and watch something yeah. nice on TV, you think, oh, it's got a dog. I just it. send her to my mum and dad's. <laughs> yeah, I think when you're in the dog training world, you don't really tend to train your own dogs, do you? Yeah. <laughs> I've always I mean, said, like most mechanics probably don't look after their own cars and vice yeah. versa. <laughs> well, I can't, I, I can't blame it on um, venturing more into behaviour. I think the more I've gone into welfare and behaviour, the more I know my dogs are happy and that'll do. <laughs> you know, it doesn't yeah. matter if they will, you know, turn on a sixpence or do a handstand. They're all happy. So that, that'll do me. Hang on, you can train a dog to do a handstand? Well, I can't work train. Actually, Penny, mouse, mouse does a handstand yeah, wee, so I'm Penny taking does it. A handstand wee. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think we'll draw, we'll wrap it up. Then. Yeah. That's, that's well, we need to say um, where everybody can find this. Yes. So, and it's nice for you guys to tell us. So, if there's anything you want to add or any promo plug. you want to do, yep. plug away. Um, I know you're you're both um either on mat leave or um, lecturing at the moment. So, um, I don't. I'm not sure if you've got you know websites where you're taking on clients but feel free to plug those away and just give us a shout out where we can find your book that would be great well there's a polish edition but i don't know where you can get that <laughs> oh, <laughs> <Polish. Polish. Yeah. laughs> um well you can get it on amazon i suppose that's quite a big place for people to go the hubble and hattie website um the key do you know any others <laughs> sort of research that yeah, one of Steve's cool. clients has got a copy somewhere. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Right off them. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's yeah, mainly Amazon and the Hubble and Hattie website, the two main ones, and they both do the Kindle e-reader thing editions oh, okay. as well. That's cool. um, so you can get those down downloads. Um, yeah, book to depository. Um, yeah. Yeah. As well. We'll yeah, I think we'll, they're, they're the three main ones, aren't they? We'll put a few yeah. links in the um yeah. in the podcast description as well, so that people can find it easily and um uh point people in in the direction of it, as we have been with a lot of our our yeah. clients already. So, oh, thank you. Okay, well, thank you very much for joining us. It's been lovely having a chat, 
and hopefully we'll see you again soon once your new book is is on the horizon yeah hopefully <laughs> okay right we need to do fake bye now is everybody ready thank you so much Vicky and Melissa there weren't they lovely they were lovely and I loved the fact that they were holed up hiding away from their children you called it you totally, you but they were, totally uh, do you know what? It. Kudos to their kids, where all their partners or who, wherever they'd left their children being supervised because no one interrupted them. There was nothing going on. We didn't have our viral moment, did we? No, it's a shame. <laughs> Maybe next time. Do you know what I loved about it? They're, they're candidly talking about what real life is like. Oh my God, yeah. We all have to be more like that, you know? Yep. It's no good. Gosh, just... otherwise we're like, everyone's, you know being a social media version of themselves where they're just sort of facades yeah oh that was a bit deep wasn't it It was a bit deep mm. it was a bit deep yeah um and, and that was really refreshing and it's really lovely it's a great yeah. book get out buy it add it to your bookshelf bookshelvers um it's brilliant um, and i tell you what i think that it's it's such a lovely positive book that's not at all uh, oh oh here we go i get to use one of my phrases that i've come up go it's more waggy tails than waggy fingers. I like that. Do you did like you come it? up with that? Did yeah. you? Yeah. Totally stealing that. Oh, can you believe it? <laughs> That's really um, good. So I don't think it. What I mean is, it, if one of your friends has a child and a dog, mm. I don't think it would go down badly if you just happened to leave a copy of this on their coffee table. Slip in there. Yeah, or you bought it for them as a you know. A birthday present for the kids or well, I, I, I think that's a, I think that's a, a great idea i like that yeah because like it's that. a nice way of put it is you know it's called creating safe and harmonious relationship it's got so many lovely photos in there um of melissa and vicky's family as, <laughs> as it turns out yeah. yeah um so i yeah i don't think it it comes across as um uh, draconian at all no. you know it, it i I think it would be very well received by someone that has kids and dogs and they could sit and read it and learn a few things, I'm sure. There you go. Buy yourself a copy and yeah. buy your friends a copy. Yeah. <laughs> and then buy another copy. Exactly. And send that. it to me because yeah. I've lost mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hang on. Da, 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 da. I hear a Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> I get better at these. You are. Yeah. <laughs> Seamless. Whoa! It's a Greg Wallace moment! <laughs> Ooh! There he is, our man, Greg. Greg of the Wallaces. Of the wow. Wallaces? Of the uh, tribe of Wallace. Greg of Wallacedom. Of Wallace. the Wallaces. Yeah, I imagine there were a, a tribe of kilt wearing Scotsmen that used to cook really nice meals. Haggises. Ah! The beer fairy has turned the beer up. Beer fairy's here, but with. Um... Food for the dogs. No beer. No beer. Dog food is. Dog, the dog food fairy has turned up. Yeah. Dog is more important than beer. He's also the dog food fairy is thankfully less naked than the beer fairy. Right, Greg, Greggy Greg of the Gregs of the Wallaces of the tribe of Wallaces, living in the Highlands of Scotland with their kilts, cooking fine food for everyone. Um, my Greg Wallace moment this week is, uh, as uh, alluded to in the interview, um, the canine ladder of aggression. Now this is something that was um, this is Kendall Shepherd's. Um, it is Kendall Shepherd's yes, work, uh, and it is published in the BSAVA 
uh, manual for oh. small animal practice. I see here, a little copyright 2004, yeah. so it's been around since uh, since the days of 2004. It's pretty much my entire vinyl collection. What were you doing in 2004? Just buying records. Uh. Yeah, I've got, I've got, I am, do you know what, I'm a, I'm a knowledge in, on experimental and noise music circa 2004 to 2007. Is that what you do on Mastermind if you were ever on? If I, 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 if ever I do a pub quiz, I beg that that's one of the categories that come up one day because um, I would mm. smash it. I would smash it. I've got Has very it ever strange. Been? No. Oh, shame. Never, never. And it turns out that no one else seems to like that music apart from a couple of friends. Well, at least you found them. <laughs> the found only them. other people we in the world. We found each other <laughs> on the internet. Um, right, so 2004, Kendall Shepard devised the canine ladder of aggression. And it is. So um, to, I'm going to try. There's a great graphic in this book on page 12. Um, and it is a ladder. Um, so on your, so you, if you picture a ladder, ladies and gentlemen, um, you've got your bottom run leading up to your top run, and each of these runs has a little arrow by it, and it's also colour coded, so like a um, traffic light, sort of green to red. So um, let me just count these up: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I think I've counted right there. Eleven runs on this ladder, and basically, it's. Um, Device to give you an idea of of how a dog would communicate that they are not comfortable, leading up to really not comfortable. Um, so to give you an idea, the bottom run of the ladder has got this little arrow pointing off, and it says uh, yawning, blinking, and nose licking. Um, so that might be you know an indication that your dog's not comfortable. Um, I like watching dogs in the park when when other dogs are approaching them. You quite oh, often see a bit of a bit it? of blinking, nose licking. Um, very often you see those, and these are these are the really really subtle signs. You know, you, people will say, and it does happen from time to time that you know dogs do pass a lot of these runs of the ladder uh, um, they can do as, as Nat mentioned earlier they can learn to do these things but quite often these things aren't out of out of nowhere you some often say to me it came out of nowhere but yeah. quite often our dogs are trying to very subtly tell us they're not happy so next run up is turning your head away turning sorry their head away next one up turning body away sitting pouring uh, next one up is walking away um, removing themselves from the situation Next one up is creeping ears back. I think this one, this middle run, so that's one, two, three, four, five runs up on an 11 run ladder. I think maybe these were the ones that we might start taking notice of. Yeah. Ears back um, can be more obvious than something like... Stiffening's in there, isn't it? Or is that towards the top of the red? I can't... It's I towards no, the I'll top. Find, so creeping that. ears back, standing crouched tail tucked under again tail tucked under if you were to ask if i quite often ask um my puppy classes you know give me some examples if, if, if a dog's not happy and tail tucked under is one of the biggest ones they come up with so again you're getting into the territory of us starting to take notice um the run-up from that lying down leg up that's you know i i would say that that one's not as obvious as maybe tail tucked under i think that one i always explain as one of the most uh misinterpreted pieces of doggy body language what leg up or... yeah because people uh, think that their dog is inviting them for a tummy tickle yeah but they're actually saying nope no. <laughs> <laughs> please move away no i don't like it then we've got so four runs left so then we've got stiffening up and staring um 
Then we've got growling. Now, growling, obviously, we talked a lot about growling, so we don't need to really go into that. But, you know, it's, it's amazing how high on this ladder growling is because that might be the first the first indicator for a lot of us human animals that our dog is is uncomfortable. Um, and Melissa told a great story there about her Rotty Lab cross um, doing a nice little growl to her it's child. We're, we're a verbal species as well, aren't we? So we tend to exactly. listen for sounds and that that's our a form of communication that we can understand it's whereas it's our go-to isn't it yeah. it's our go-to it is our go-to so two two runs left of our canine ladder regression so uh coming in at number two we've got <laughs> it's a classic snapping um so if, if your dog's growled at you and you're still going towards it um then they might snap to send you away um and then last uh run of the ladder is of course biting um it's a great thing. I mean, the, the graphic, the way it's laid out in the book, um, I'll try and find a graphic and stick it up actually on the Facebook page because um, it is a really good thing. It's a great visual to start learning about these things that, you know, there is a lot of communication that happens generally, not always, but generally before your dog um, will go for a bite. And, and by us being a bit more compassionate and learning a little bit about our dog's body language we can go a long way to being an advocate in those sorts of situations and 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 first of all you know not putting them in those sorts of situations where they might even feel like they need to go on the on the ladder um but if they are in those situations being able able to identify it before it accelerates up that ladder and they're clearing out the gutters <laughs> i love the way you <laughs> really committed to the ladder the, analogy the ladder analogy <laughs> I love an analogy. Um, I so do I. <laughs> um, but yeah, there you go, Kendall Shepherd. Well done. I mean, we um, we I I've been using that for years, yeah. years and years. It's something that really um, such an important piece of uh, well research, but kind of um, illustration of dog communication, yeah. really, because it's so easy to understand. We're talking got... about the, uh, the the terrier ladder of aggression is a lot different. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> this is uh, oh yeah, the, it's. <laughs> It's a slingshot. <laughs> a slingshot of aggression. Fish and mouse are having post-dinner sillies. <laughs> it's a technical phrase. Uh, Google it. I'm now being snogged. Um, okay, <laughs> shall I do my... Uh, Go on, hit me, with, hit me with you, Greg. Uh, it's, uh, well, it's quite similar. I'm just going to read this little bit, okay. which I really liked. So, implementing house rules. If something that your dog has always done becomes out of bounds once the baby or child is present... You'll need to prepare him for the change in advance to allow him time to adjust. Brilliant. Done. Book slam moment. Yep. And that, I think that, you know, if you're going to take anything home from this podcast, I think that's a huge, huge one. Yeah. Isn't it? Prior preparation prevents poor performance. Oh my goodness, that was hard. Was that right? My, my, per, uh, per, per, per. I remember my history teacher um, when I was at uh, senior school once shouted at my at my mate Mike, and he shouted, "Manners make off, man maker." What? Manners make off, man maker. Oh, okay. <laughs> Three M's. That wow. Stuck. That stuck in my brain. There you go. So what was it? Pri- pri- Prior. Prior. Prepper. <laughs> A pleasant Prior preparation pheasant. prevents poor performance. Plucking pheasant. No. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Anyway, I think uh, I hope I chose a, a good quote, and that Melissa and Vicky would um, approve of the sentiment I behind so. what, what I've read. Perfect. Good. There we go. 
Excellent. Let's gallop on. Hi. Well, there we go. It's been lovely, man. It has been lovely. It, it feels like it's been a while since we've recorded. I'll tell you what, we haven't. We haven't done an off the shelf for a while. We need to. Yeah, we do need to shout out to some people. Sorry, everyone, but Steve needs a kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> It's okay. It's all right. It's okay. It's, it's okay. not okay because I, I need to go back and do it in a minute. Do you know what? Yep. I've got some exciting news as well, which I didn't talk about to go start on. with. But next week... Go. Again, don't know where we are in podcat world. Yep. Oh, Stephen Adam Buxton, didn't Buxton, I? A Buxtonism. Oh, no. A Buxtonism. Sorry. That's I'm going right. to have to you pay can, him royalties can, now, can aren't I? as much as he's... Um, one day I hope he'll come on here. Oh, God. I would love that so much. <laughs> um... If you had to choose, Adam Buxton or Tom Hardy? Adam Buxton every day. Good, good lady. I like you. Um, anyway, so you've put me <laughs> off now. Oh, my God. Anyway, next week, the work starts on... The Woofis. The Woofis. I'm, I'm so excited to see the Woofis. Explain what the Woofis is. It's, it's the home office, isn't it? In the garden. Lovely. Where we can do our podcastering. Podcast studio. And I can write my PhDing. And we Am can... I right in saying we'll be able to podcast from a hot tub? <laughs> There's no hot tub. Oh. But um, it, there will be a running machine and Jay's cycle thing in there. So we Brilliant. can podcast from equipment while that... the podcast fairy is working out <laughs> yes hooray <laughs> yes. but there'll also be a sofa oh very nice which yeah. we may prefer yes there will also be a fridge with beer and gin and tonic in well that sounds just delightful i know doesn't it how long is it gonna i don't know but you might need to just prime corin that from now on each podcast recording might take five or six hours i'm in <laughs> i'm in well corin can come along of course she can yeah there you go we yeah. can have double Beer fairies. Yeah. Um, okay, right. So I'll keep you all informed on the woofers. Um, and uh, if Steve does manage to get this out uh, by the weekend, please, please, please come and find us on um, Drax the Wolfhound page uh, yes. to celebrate his one year anniversary, which is Monday the 3rd of August. So facebook.com forward slash Drax the Wolfhound. I will. I will. I promise I'll get it out before. Okay. And uh, also let us know on the page if you manage to um, take advantage of our lovely, wonderful offer from Dogwise and yes. use our Bark Book voucher code so to get exciting. yourself some dosh off. Maybe okay. maybe more exciting news on the horizon for uh, special offers for our yeah. For our- Fabulous bookshelvers. No, please don't forget, I, I didn't have a chance to put out a call for questions for this episode, so apologies in advance for that one, you know, kitchens and all that. Um, but uh, if you do have any questions or any um, reviews or any suggestions, um, yeah, slap them to us, either on the Facebook page, you can PM us on the Facebook page, or uh, barksfrom at gmail.com, um, that will come straight to me and that. Um, yeah, so yeah, feel free. Feel free to question away about anything. And um, Adam Buxton, if you're listening, then um, call me. And Tom Hardy, if okay. you're listening. My wife <laughs> would really Steve's like wife. you to. Uh, yeah. um, okay, so um, we have a first. I know it's a first. It's brilliant. This it's is so amazing. Cool. And I feel like this could this could become a regular feature with its own jingle. Melissisms. Melissisms. <laughs> Melissisms. So our lovely friend of the podcast, who we spoke to about her book, um, Considerations for a City Dog. For a City Dog. 
Melissa McHugh McGrath, um, who we have kept in touch with because she is a lovely human being. Yeah, and she's one of those people that you're just you're totally just better off with her in your world. Yes. Uh, her much stuff. Um, I, whenever that comes up. I'm sorry, I'm moving away from the mic there because I'm about to get kissassined by fish again. <laughs> Here he comes. Here he uh, comes. Yeah, um when whenever anything comes up on Facebook that Melissa's done, it gives me a little dopamine hit. I yeah. uh, I love her. She's great. Awesome. She's cracking. Some people you meet in life and you kind of get on social media and you think, mm, I might press that unfollow button actually. <laughs> she is not one of those people. She's brilliant. Um, anyway, so we thought that after our lovely chat on the podcast about silly books, yep. um, that we would send Melissa a copy of The Great Dog Bottom Swap, um, which is a highly intellectual <laughs> piece of writing by Peter Bentley and May uh, Matsuaka. Matsuaka. Um, it was actually shortlisted in the 2009 Roald Dahl Funny Prize Oh, well, there you go. Awards. That's high, so, high praise indeed. Uh, I would... Well, you're going to hear why you should go and buy this book, quite frankly. And you may think, this is a children's book now. I don't have any children. Why would I need to buy a children's book? I'm a childless 37-year-old woman <laughs> and I own this book and I loved every second of it. Oh. So, I was just, just remembering what it was like to be 37 there for a second. <sighs> I am 37, am I? Maybe. No, me, I remembering what oh, it was okay. like to be 37. Um, so, uh, I, I'm not sure that Steve has read this m- more recently. I'm going to make him read it I haven't after read it. This I'll be honest, because, I haven't read um, it. Because it, I, I feel like listening to Melissa's review has <laughs> reignited his love for this book. So... Um, so we're going to end the podcast on um, Melissa's amazing review of The Great Dog Bottom Swap. Um, and then we might put in Steve's honest reaction to the end of the book. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed it. Please be safe, be careful, enjoy the sunshine. And we will be back with you maybe from the Woofus sometime Ooh, soon. There you go. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye. 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 I can't stop laughing. <laughs> so when I was picturing the dog bottoms, I thought they were taking like their lower half or their tails or their their whole half and hanging them on the hooks, but it's just a little pink ring. <laughs> it's just their little dog asterisks that they're hanging up and it's oh my. Oh no. <laughs> I'm reading this to Ace and I can't stop laughing. <laughs> ah! Had some collide, ourselves divide. Just like they've always done A spark of life We multiply this ride Has just begun And here at the end of a line the 
stretches back through all time Time guided by a primal desire To simply survive Survive, you can't keep it down, you know It grows For feet, for seed, our genes compete This war is never won Numbers increase for reason and peace Are mass as one with And where opposition exists, it's our duty to persist, resist and fight and defend till the end, another's right to all this, this A wish, a kiss, you can't keep me down, you know, and I can't keep you down, I know, and it won't be kept down. It cr-